0: Who's number 30? Three, two, one...
1: Are you serious?
0: No,
2: no, 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 no. I can't believe they just did this again. I can't believe they just did it again.
0: Catch me outside, how about that?
3: Catch you outside? What does that mean?
0: What I just said. How about that? How about
1: that? How about that? How about that? Catch me if you can. How about that? Catch me if How about that? Catch me if How about that? How about that? Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. This week's episode of the Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know, me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft, premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses.
2: Yeah, man, I mean, I I gotta get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the goods, I'm telling you right now. So listen, You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code THE CORNER. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code
1: T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. As always, it's great to be back for another week. We were not caught out of the country. Trump could not lock us out. We are back once again. It is Kel Dansby with Andreas Hale. Like usual, we were actually covering boxing this past weekend, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the UFC. We're going to talk about WWE Royal Rumble. And right before we came to record this podcast, we heard the news about a Seth Rollins injury, which I hoped was fake, but it seems very legit. So it throws our WrestleMania plans up into the air. Once again, this is, what, two, three years in a row that they're scrambling heading into WrestleMania due to injury. So we'll see what comes about from it. But right now, we have to start the show with Andreas himself talking about what we experienced this weekend between Mayweather and Conor McGregor. It leads the show off again. The fight you said would never happen. Uh, It's still not going to (laughs) happen. You're holding Um, to this. Holding to it.
2: I mean, I think that the likelihood of the fight happening has now moved from, like, 0% to, like, 25%. Still still not good. Um, but, yeah, you know, Conor McGregor has this pay-per-view interview where 5,000 people went for, went to and people have spent, like, $4 to watch it and, you know, basically said that that's the fight he's going to have next. is going to be in a boxing ring. But um, here's the thing. Dana White is his boss. And I, no matter what Conor McGregor keeps telling us, like he's like we got to work together dude he really doesn't want to go down this road because between Dana WME th- there's just a lot of issues in order to make this fight happen and even even if there was a loophole that would allow Connor to do this he'd be so tied up in court litigation that this fight wouldn't come off for another year or two and by that time Floyd Mayweather would be like 42 damn years old so I'm not confident in it um you know Mayweather showed up on uh, Showtime uh Chris de uh, head of PR show time, whispered in my ear, you know, as soon as I got there, he was like, well, Mayweather's on his way. I need you to tweet that. And uh, so I tweeted it. And then he showed up, said his little piece about having making the fight happen. But, dude, it's, it's just something to keep us talking for the next six months because UFC really has nothing going on. Um, and I don't, again, if this thing happens, he's talking about next year. Come on, man. It's a long time from now. So if Conor McGregor is willing to sit out, you know, but more importantly, it really speaks to you about how much Conor McGregor cares about money over legacy. Because, dude, if, he, he, if he's willing to sit out for a year, they're going to strip him of the title or make, you know, interim title or whatever. And if he fights Mayweather and makes $100 million, he probably quits. He probably calls it a night.
1: Well, his legacy is done, right? He's the first ever two-division champion. No, he's still got a long way to go,
2: man. He's not even 30 years old yet. Yeah, but it's only
1: down from here. What is he going to do? Be a three-division champion? He could be a three-division champion. I mean— And it's not simultaneous. They already stripped him of the other titles. This was it. That was his gusto. He ran. He he made history. Now he wants to make money and bow out. And I I believe he wants to be a promoter. He wants to do other things with his time and make the same amount of money as he was, you know, fighting— Once again, we talked about this last year. He saw a guy die in the cage. And we talked about it changing him. And whatever it may have done to him, you know, leading up to the Nick Diaz loss, or excuse me, the Nate Diaz loss, or his preparation and his training, his focus and not doing media, so on and so forth, it changed him. And seeing that, I'm sure he has to admire Floyd, because you take his... Le- the least amount of hits possible to the head, you make your money and you get out. And that's all he's trying to do. Floyd hasn't knocked someone out in years. It'll damn near be a decade by the time they step into the ring. That's a lot safer than getting hit in the head by tiny little gloves in an MMA ring.
2: I mean, that's, I mean it's true to a certain extent. You know, CT, there's, there's a big difference between getting punched in the head multiple times as you do in boxing versus getting hit one time and getting knocked out in MMA. Um, so there's a there's a difference there in getting What's your brain. Floyd's rattled. output.
1: Yeah. What's Floyd's output though? Like honestly. I mean it's if people think he's gonna be the aggressor against Connor just because Connor's never boxed before. Floyd's probably, gonna do what he does.
2: Uh I don't know about all that. I think I think Floyd would come might come out there and try to wash him. Because it's a little bit different when you're fighting somebody who has no boxing experience. You know, I mean, you're fighting a guy who you know, they say it has this big left hand, but now you got uh, 10, out, ten to twelve ounce gloves on, and you're trying to throw that that left hand, and it's, it's not going to land with the same impact. It's probably not even going to land.
1: It's a lot so, slower. I'll tell you that much.
2: Yeah, you know, you could throw like throwing a lead left hand in MMA um, is a lot different than Floyd Mayweather's lead right hand, which is a beautiful thing in boxing. So, I mean, all this to say, dude, I just I'm not I'm not buying into this yet. You know, they can keep talking about it. Um, I think it's closer to happening. I think. You know, both sides want it to happen, but I still think we're still miles and miles away from the money. You know, that's one thing that Floyd's $15 million versus Connor's $100 million. Dude, we're miles off on money. So, and then we still have to deal with the UFC. So, either way, it just sounds like some great lip service right now. Um, for those of you holding out your hopes, you know, I hope you got other shit to do because this thing is not coming to fruition anytime soon.
1: Yeah. T- what Connor said the timeline is September. I believe it's Dumb not blood. getting done by t- September of this year. Hell
2: no. <laughs> like, that, look, because listen. he's
1: not trying to sit out you know, more than a calendar year from the UFC, it seems like. Um, and this is, once again, still part of posturing with them. Because he said he would have defended the featherweight title in March if they would have asked. But what he's yeah. really saying is if they would have paid me what I stand to make against Floyd Mayweather, I would have been in there.
2: again yeah it's all posturing yeah would he have fought in march if they asked him to sure but then you told everybody you were taking off 10 months so nobody's going to ask you to correction
1: he told dana that and dana told everyone uh connor still denies the 10-month claim
2: whatever i mean the first but he can't deny the fact that he said he was going to stay out of the sport while his wife was pregnant giving birth to their child correct he can't deny he told everybody that and if you look at the timeline that regardless of how you want to see it there's nine months when she's going to be pregnant well, was the
1: baby's
2: doing in May. So. He but he wasn't fighting in March, is my point. Oh, yeah, correct. There's no way he was going to fight in March. It's posturing. It's positioning. And, and I have no problem with Conor McGregor doing this. Um, my prediction is we'll see Conor McGregor in the octagon this year. Because if you're waiting for this fight to happen, you need to do something else in the interim. Because there's just a lot of things going on. And the UFC is just not going to allow you to sit on the sidelines and not be injured. You better fake an injury. Do something <laughs> Because he's going to have to fight. He needs to fight.
1: Yeah, you're under contract. I mean, they can't make someone fight, though.
2: They'll find which a is, way.
1: Which is always the weird part about their contracts. It's not like an NBA season
2: where but you, you know
1: co- you schedule stuff in advance. Like you can't make someone fight. They have to yeah, agree.
2: My 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 argument to that is Connor likes money. So <laughs> the fact you know he's going to he's not going to sit on the sidelines with something that's not a definite and just watch money not be made. Yeah. even though he says he's making money he spends it fast too correct he's not you know he doesn't have 200 million off of one fight like floyd mayweather i'm not saying like like we've said like people have said before you can lose the money that connor's made in the summer in a coke habit so you know he's gonna have to stay active he's gonna have to fight somebody his name needs to remain relevant um but this is this is clever posturing position it just gets people talking
1: with that being said that fight is a long way off, and we're going to talk about it, I swear, every other week until it either happens or it's canceled. So I want to know, what's your craziest fight? I know back in the day you weren't always, you know, smiley, cheery, Andreas. You had to have had beef with somebody. What was your craziest fight?
2: Oh, man, we really got to talk about this. We got to oh. talk
1: about it. I, I got to know. The people want to know. We got we to know about when you put those paws on somebody, it had to be like yeah. what high school days. I can't see you fighting as an adult.
2: No, I haven't got it. I didn't get into fighting as an adult. Um, not in a real fight, you know. Shit happens, but <laughs> I, I thought in high school maybe my craziest fight was in like tenth grade. The reason why it was crazy, I used to fight a lot as a kid. Like as a little kid, I fought a lot. When I first moved to Vegas in like sixth grade, I fought a lot. In seventh grade, I fought a lot. Then I just stopped fighting. And then one year, it was like tenth grade. We got a fight with a friend of mine um and i can't remember what the fight was about but he was talking shit he said he was gonna come to my apartment and fight me now at the time my father was dating this woman and her son lived with us and, and you know i think i was 15 so he had to be like 12 something like that and the fight what happened was the old boy came to the house and i told him like this is a bad idea don't come over to my house <laughs> so he came over and I opened the door, and I was like, if you really want to do this, you know what I'm saying, like, we'll step outside. So he tried to rush me in my house. So we scrapping in my house, in my, in my small apartment in the living room. And who I called my brother-in-law at the time, hit him over the head with a frying pan and bent that shit over his head.
1: <laughs> Yo.
2: And, and, yeah, so it was like, and I, and I clocked him a couple of times. Then I felt weird about it because I was like, damn, we just jumped him in my house. So I hit him a couple times and then I you know, I was like, just get out, dude. Just get out. You fucking you disrespecting my grandmother's house, blah, blah, blah. Went outside, he caught me with one, I caught him back with one, he dipped out, and his head swole up like I'm like, I'm trying to think. I don't know if people remember Haseen Rotman when he had that hematoma on his head. It was like <laughs> that's how big his head was. But uh, it was just it was one of those weird fights. Cause I never I didn't think my brother-in-law at the time was going to do it, but he hit him. I was like, where did you get a frying pan? Like, it made the sound, like in cartoons and everything. <laughs> and, and you know, he was on the ground, and I lit him up with a few more punches, and I was just like, dog, this is crazy. Like, this is really happening. But that's probably, like, my craziest fight that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: <laughs> Yo, that's wild. See, I knew you would have had to fight sooner or later. Once again, if people don't know, Andres was, like, in this Kappa League thing here in Vegas. And they do two things. They talk shit, and they talk to people's girlfriends. They never talk to the single girls. They only talk to people who have, like, girls in relationships and talk shit. It's been like that for, like, 20 years in this Mr. high school Steady Catholic girl. league. Yeah. Yes, Mr.
2: Steady Girl before Trey songs. Yes, we were. And, I mean, I didn't do it disrespectfully. I'm just saying. It just kind of happened. You politely I mean,
1: about- stole people's girlfriends. Yeah,
2: if you had a girl and she wasn't giving you that, that movement, I, mean, I was here. I was here for <laughs> it. So... I hey, knew
1: it. I knew you had, dirty, had to
2: fault. I was dirty macking, but um, <laughs> I wasn't always that bad. It's just me and my crew. We were just we were just a bunch of grimy. We had a clique called Polo, and all we wore was polo. And we used to take pictures, and girls just want to pay for our pictures. Somebody's gonna say say this, hear this podcast, and be like, yeah, right. No, it's for real. Like they used to want to pay for our homecoming <laughs> pictures because we used to take pictures. And we never looked at the camera. It was like some really dumb shit that we used to do back in the day. <laughs> But it was that was our shit though. Like we we kind of ran shit out here. I'm, I came in front.
1: Yeah, I knew that was coming sooner or later. See, where's your at fight? Least...
2: Where, I I need to hear your fight. We we can't talk about me no more. <laughs> me
1: yo, you know what's crazy? I'm, I haven't been in a fight since I was in fourth grade. What? I haven't been in a fight since fourth grade at all. Um, wow. No one tried to fight me. That that's the other crazy part. But it's not like I've just been like ducking or be like, yo, meet me outside at three p.m. and I run away. Um, no one's tried to fight me. I, no one's even closely attempted it. Um, I've had like my friends almost get into fights around me, like going to bars and getting drunk and being stupid. But once again, those get diffused quickly. Um, yeah, yo, I haven't fought since the fourth grade since, <laughs> and that's, that's in New York fourth grade. Like, I mean, but everyone in New York fought when they were little. Yeah, so you just used to throw hands like for no reason. Um, Like, yo, mama, and it takes two words, and then you just throw hands, and you just got to wash somebody, and you guys are cool like three days later. Um, Yeah, I haven't haven't fought since. I can't even think of a time that I got close to fighting. Um, I'll tell you this much. I've been in a situation where I was in high school. I was in 10th grade, too, and Rancho High School was one of the last schools in Vegas with an open campus. Yeah. So you can come and go as you please throughout the day. And there was Roberto's down the block, McDonald's, all this stuff. And there was a senior parking lot, which was across the street in the cemetery. And then there was a teacher's parking lot on campus. And then across the street, the opposite direction was a church parking lot. That's where all the underclassmen parked. Um, We didn't have cars, but all the girls we knew had cars and we just just go ditch class and sit on the cars. So one day my boy Scott challenged like these two Mexican dudes, he was like, yo, just meet us in the church parking lot, meet us in the church parking lot. And we didn't have football practice that day or something, and I remember just, oh, it was a game day for us, we were on JV, so we had our jerseys on, and I remember sitting on the cars, and the two Mexican dudes walk up, and there's like five, six of us, and we're like, all right, cool, whatever, they're not even going to want to fight. And then two minutes later, we're just looking at each other, they're talking, we're talking, just staring at each other like, okay, is it going to pop off or not? Two minutes later, two lowriders pull up. And I swear, like 25-year-old Mexicans, like six of them, hop out the car. One dude got right. a knife and we're just like, fuck. And I just remember my boy Scott had a bottle of Mountain Dew. It's Mad Randall. But like the vending machine Mountain Dews. And he shakes it takes off the cap, throws it in the air. It just goes everywhere. Like, the fizz and stuff, all the Mexican dudes look up, and we book it. <laughs> we're gone. Like, it was the best distraction ever. Like, nothing had to be said, no nothing, and we break on them. And they're to the point where we're jumping over fences, we're running through. Um, <laughs> It looks like El Barrio over there, because, like, our school is 80% Mexican, and we're in a magnet, like, every one who played football, either you were black and you lived on the fringe and still went there or you were in the magnet program. So we all came from different sides of the city. So we booked it. We're hopping over fences. It it looked like we're running through LA like in one of the movies. And like they hop back in the car, they're circling around. Shit was crazy. But in no way were we trying to fight six grown ass Mexicans.
2: And that's the
1: closest I've been to fighting. And it wasn't even my fault. He was just talking shit like he always talks shit and then yep, it almost went down. So I almost got stabbed by a Mexican. But uh yep, never fought. No one ever tried to fight me. I'm a cheery guy. I didn't steal people's girlfriends. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't in the Kab League, even though a lot of my friends at Rancho were. Um yeah, I didn't do anything like super grimy. I played it low key.
2: I see. You know, it's funny because I've had people randomly say, "I'd like to hear like a podcast you talking about growing up in Vegas." It seems like you got mad stories, and it's kind of true. And the more, because I, th- I didn't think I realized it until I went to Morehouse and I was like meeting people from like other places, and I like talk about things, and they'd be like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> yeah, I be, you know, I talk about shit that we did, and you know, Vegas is just like completely different. It's different because nobody really expects the stories that come out of vegas people think it's like oh you grew up around casinos and that's like it oh no not at all yeah no it's like mad grind, like there's like there's a hood in vegas yes there's a hood in vegas there are several hoods in vegas there are several and i grew up in one of them in crack alley so it was like
1: yeah you can't street was zoned for rancho i lived right across from there
2: yeah, like D Street, you know, Englewood, you know, Northtown, Side, The View, man, Crack Alley, Naked City,
1: yo. I lived on and, Civic Center across from Donner Street before, next to the Jesus Food for Christ. Less. If people know, <laughs> like, like yo, it, that that's real. That's people don't, have no clue.
2: No. Nah, I mean, eventually, you know, if if people ask, I'll talk about it more. But yeah, it was just a lot of it's a lot of weird, um, unique shit that that I know. I went through growing up in Vegas that I've just never had anybody say, Yeah, I did that as well. But it's It's always like
1: growing up in Vegas is a lot like growing up in the movies. It's less like cheery, obviously, (laughs) but there's a lot of like cool shit like during adolescence, like that seventh grade through high school range that you look at and be like, Yo, that only happens in the movies, but it actually happened in Vegas. We used to have homecoming parades at Rancho, like through the hood. And we used to have floats. Um, We used to. I mean, there was stuff like the Kappa League. There was step battles, like honest to God step battles. The Kappas and what people had, like Omegas or something. It was, it was like three groups or whatever, and they used to step and all that stuff. Everyone would try to ball out at the Martin Luther King Day parade. It would always oh, yeah. get shot up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there was the nighttime basketball tournaments on like by like Paradise Park on oh, the wow. outdoor courts um, where the Kappa leagues used to step at halftime. The little cheerleaders from every school used to be there. It used to be uh, Hank and the Dog Catchers used to play the Dog there.
2: Catchers. Yo, oh my God. I'm
1: telling you, they used to host a tournament. We had crazy stuff that you only see in movies, and everyone would meet up. There used to be Crystal Palace, skating rink, everything. So people don't know, growing up in Vegas it was, was official.
2: Yeah, and it's crazy because I think it's both mine and your perspectives are different because I'm older than you, and there's like... Things that weren't around, that that were around. Like, when I was in high school, like, it was just flourished. Like, there was just flourishing in more schools. Like, Bishop Gorman wasn't the powerhouse yet. They were, like, they were were starting to become a powerhouse, but it was still wide open for, like, state championships and all that shit. And, like, when I was growing up, every party was, I used to call it the wild, wild wild west because every party got shot up. We had, (laughs) had, like, there was nowhere you can go. Because at a certain time, you looked at your watch and you were like time to go cuz somebody's going to start shooting and usually i knew who was shooting cuz they always just was shooting for no reason so it was like "Cash used to just bust for no reason a few I, you know i had a couple friends die out here but it was it's it's different man it's yeah, like true. really different
1: wasn't valley the only magnet school when you went to school
2: Nah, I think it was, I think uh VOTEC was like the magnet school at the oh, time. Oh,
1: VOTEC, but you guys had international like baccalaureate or something. Yeah, that's um, my wife
2: was actually in that program. Yeah, she so was-
1: that was the only school where people would actually come from around the city. Oh, and Green Valley had like a transfer program to get black kids in there. So if you're yeah. in a hood, you go to Green Valley and go to school with white kids. But outside of that, yeah, Vo- I think Valley was the only public, like, magnet school and i remember that like in the 90s and people used to go there for international baccalaureate smart ass music yeah. and it was wild too it was weird because like it was still wild hood yeah like it was <laughs>
2: it was because everybody from the view from valley view which was the hood from crack alley where i was at which was the hood and i was a little pretty boy from like that area too had the curly hair and all that shit but it was just like it was just grimy like everything was grimy and i want like Again, if the listeners want to hear more about it, we'll talk about it, but I know y'all ain't come here for that. Before we talk, <laughs> talk about combat sports, though, there's one thing I do want to talk about. Is this damn Migos album. Um,
1: hey. What are your thoughts? Um, every song sounds alike, but I like it. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> if that's a, if that's a, a thing. Um, yeah, y'all, I've been listening to that for the past two days. I really didn't want to listen to it because the first day it came out, what, was that, Friday? Friday, I was swamped. Saturday, we had boxing. And I was just preparing for the long weekend. Royal Rumble was coming up. I was finishing, watching all those damn old Royal Rumbles. And I was like, yo, I can't listen to it until Monday. So people were hyping it up like it was the best thing ever and everything. I was like, damn, I hate when people do that. They just make my expectations way too high. I'm going to hate it. So um, I stopped listening to everyone. And then by the time I listened to it, I was like, you know what? This is dope. And Bad & Bougie is still the best song on there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll put it like this. It's not... Like, it's not the shit that I would be looking for. Like, my taste in music is different. But it's not It's not a bad album. By any means, it's not a bad album at all. Um, I can't wait really, until I'm
1: drunk in a club listening to that, though.
2: Yeah. Like, it's. I'm going to write something on this because it really got me thinking. Like, you know, a lot of people jacked their flow and, you know, they had the hiatus when, when Quay, I think, who was locked up? Was it
1: Offset? Uh, Offset? I <laughs> think it was locked up.
2: So, you know, they had, like a, they had a stall out period and that's, that's when everybody came up with stealing their flow. I mean, even Drake adopted the flow. It made me think that Migos could potentially be, and people are going to take this the wrong way, the Bone thugs and harmony, harmony for this generation.
1: Oh, that's like, clear. Yeah, yeah. Because
2: they are pop in, 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 in a way. like They came from the hood of Atlanta, but they're pop in a way that other artists can't really be pop. You know, being compared to the Beatles like hyperbolically by um, Childish Gambino, but, you know, like Drake loves them, stole their flow, you know, jumped on Versace. Like, they they have so much potential to be such a huge act. And so many people have hijacked their flow. Just like when Bone came around, it was like, do or die. And like, I mean, you know, Twisted was even before Bone Thugs, but everybody tried to, you know, the double, triple time flows. Like, I'm listening to this album, and I'm like, Yo, these guys could be huge. Like if they would, if they perform at the Super Bowl somehow, they, you Lady know Gaga gotta put them, them
1: on. Yeah, like she has to do it for the culture.
2: Yeah, like come on, man. Like these these kids are big, and in in a weird way because they haven't completely blown yet. They're still on the cusp, regardless of you know the Colin and Kanye West and the Drake cosigns. They haven't really blown yet, but they they're like on the verge, and I feel like sometime this summer. Something huge could really happen for them. I um, mean, "Bad the, and
1: Bougie" is a huge song. I mean, we didn't think it get bigger than Versace, but I, I guess you know, it, "Bad and Bougie" is a next level song.
2: It's crazy how big that song is. So I heard it and I was like, "Oh, this is dope," and I just didn't really realize, like, "Wow!" Like, this <laughs> they just say the like most
1: random song? shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Raindrop, drop top. top. <laughs> <laughs> skirt, skirt. I'm like, all right, well, if this is what you, if you this is what you like, but I just didn't think it would connect with so many people. Like. Migos is pretty damn big, so I just wanted to get your take. I was curious. I I'm gonna listen to it some more. You know me, I don't write a review immediately. I've listened to it like three times, but yo, I'm going you're to not gonna
1: get any more out of it though. Like just, just well, to be true. honest with you, you're not gonna get any more out of it. There's no depth. There's no substance to it. You just rock. Like you you float over it. It's you. You have a great Bone Thugs comparison because it's, it's melodic. Now, if you Back in the day, if you wanted to listen to Bone Thugs and try to speed up your processes and understand the lyrics and everything, you could. But there was people who didn't care for that and still loved Bone Thugs because it was melodic and you could just float to it. And that's the same thing with Migos. Like they're not talking about anything besides money, being young, and being stupid. But it's great just the way they flow over it, and you just it makes you have not a care in the world. And during a time when there's so much nonsense to care about and craziness happening it's dope to have something like migos
2: well put all right so let's get to the combat sports where are we starting this week
1: we're starting at boxing because we were there um we're saving royal rumble to the end because there's so much wrestling that it needs its own damn segment so um boxing santa cruz versus frampton two.
2: yeah not it wasn't the barn burner that the first fight was still was a great fight um And Leo Santa Cruz came out with the uh, decision victory a majority decision victory. Some people disputed. Some people thought Carl Frampton won. I had it a draw personally, um, but it was an excellent fight. And it's I didn't think that Leo could make the adjustments. But what he did was he came out, didn't throw a billion punches, um, kept his range, used his jab early, kind of abandoned it in the middle of rounds and allowed Carl to get back into the fight. But he fought a smart fight. And if the fans weren't pleased with it, that's too damn bad because Lito needed to win this fight. So um, excellent performance by Lito, Santa Cruz. Obviously, we're going to head to a trilogy. Um, And more than likely, from what I've gathered from the people I've talked to, it will be back in Vegas again. And it's going to be immediate. They're not going to wait long to do this again.
1: See, I don't need an immediate rematch. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing them go off, beat two more people, come back, and then try to, you know, let it rock. I I need it once a year. I don't need it three times in a calendar year. Um... (laughs) Let's see him develop. Let's see him change something. Even just you know having the game plan for a different opponent and then come back and game plan for each other mixes it up. Right now they they have each other's beat. They they've done so many rounds. It, it's we know what we know what we're gonna get.
2: Yeah, but I, I'm you know when you say having fight somebody else, like who are they gonna fight? Because the the person who sits on top of that division right now is Gary Russell Jr. And
1: well, you don't want them to lose just. Just get That's their my mind point. off of each other for a second.
2: I, I like immediate rematches when it calls for it because it feels like a continuation. Three like in you, a row. Uh,
1: yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty much 36 straight rounds.
2: <laughs> like I, I, I'm off, like, Ward, Gotti. Like, I'm four guys getting right back in there with each other. And, you know, I, I understand the logic, like, let's see them do something else. But they, they have their whole careers ahead of them. So it's like you can do something else once you guys settle this. Now, with the featherweight division the way it is, um, I personally have Leo Santa Cruz as the number one featherweight. A lot of other people have Gary Russell Jr., but I'm looking at Santa Cruz's resume uh, with Abdo Mares. And, and what have you done for me lately? Because Russell Jr. did lose to Lomachenko. Um, his skills look like he should be the best fighter in the featherweight division. But in terms of who he's fought, Leo Santa Cruz lost a majority decision to Carl Frampton, where a lot, a lot of people thought he could have won. And then he won a decision with Carl Frampton. These are the two clear cut best featherweights in boxing right now um so have them do it again let's find out who's the best and then you guys move on and do whatever the fuck you want but i want to see this happen again i'd rather see it immediate i don't want to see it waste any time i don't want to see somebody lose i don't want to see somebody get hurt run it back run it back let's get these 36 rounds let's get get them over with because box is is in a pretty good place right now where we could have a trilogy and people would pay attention
1: well yeah at least i mean you know what it's it's better than what we're getting a couple years ago we're, right. we weren't sure that the best were going to fight the best at all. If I had to like, you know, take my pick of risking and never seeing it again or running it back right away, go ahead, run it back. Um, it's not going to be in, in Ireland. No, no, and no, no. that was it, the talks in the ring, and I understand what was promised, but nah,
2: absolutely not. They, like people are talking about, uh, you know, taking it over to Brisbane. It's not no. They're going to it's going to stay in the states, and uh, you know. If Frampton would have won, he would have probably had a fight in Brisbane. It would have probably would have been against Lee Selby, but unfortunately Lee Selby wasn't able to fight on this card because his opponent um, didn't submit his blood work in time or some shit. And so, you know, they really, like I said, they really have nowhere to turn but to each other. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm with it.
1: Um, Mikey Garcia, damn near killed a guy.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Ooh, the that thing was about crazy. Mikey... Mikey Garcia, you know, he was out from 2014 to um, late 2016 because of his, his contract dispute with Top Rank, which he eventually won. And people wondered, you know, he's 29, he's been out of the ring, how's he going to fare? And his opponent, is Dejan Zetiklin, whatever, I, nobody could pronounce his
1: name. No one can pronounce his name, good luck.
2: So he had been undefeated, he won a fight with Ricky Burns, that's probably his best name on his resume. But uh, people were like, this is a tough fight. It wasn't tough when Mikey got his hands on this boy because he beat the dog shit out of him and blew his ass up with that knockout in the third round. It's it's already front-runner for knockout of the year because it's not very much competition. But <laughs> damn, man, it, the, the future is mighty bright for Mikey Garcia right now. That dude is looking pretty damn good out there.
1: Yeah, it sucks, though, the whole top rank dispute and how everyone, you know, uh, reminded me of this via Twitter afterwards because I would love to see him versus Lomachenko.
2: Yeah, it's it's just there's a lot of cross
1: paths now. Like he burned that bridge, you know, it had to be a big money fight and how I don't see this weight class having a big money fight.
2: No, not right now. I mean, as at this point, because what what Garcia told me early in the week is that he's really considering, you know, a unification fight at lightweight. And then uh, if there's nothing there. You know, because he, he wants the winner of Crola and Jorge Linares, who fight in March or April. I can't remember. But if he can't land a fight with neither of them, he, he's thinking about moving all the way up to 140. If he gets up to 140, then shit gets interesting. Who's Chance
1: at 140, Crawford, though? I mean, Bud's still top rank.
2: Bud, yes, Bud is top rank. But if he can get to 140, he probably get to 143, 144. And when you get to, to that weight class, things get really interesting.
1: He gets to 140, he got to knock out Broner.
2: Well, yeah, of course, you fight Adrian. <laughs> like the Mikey not? garcia Adrian Broner fight is one that's pretty damn intriguing. It's not um, bad, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good fight. Broner actually would think he win that fight, in which he's the bigger guy. And Broner actually proves to be pretty decent when he's the bigger of the two men.
2: Yeah, so that's a fight that people would like to see. You know, you maybe you fight somebody at a catchweight. Maybe you fight somebody at 144. Maybe you, you try to get a fight with, the, with uh, the Sean Porters or the Keith Thurmans. I don't know how far you can bump up uh amir khan's floating around there even though i don't think he can get down to 143 danny garcia errol spence uh there's just a lot of talent there that mikey garcia could face over the next couple of years and cement um i can cement himself on the pound for pound list. a lot of people like over at ring we don't have him ranked even though we debated having him come in at number 10 but uh You know, another win, I think he's right there in the mix. He's one of those forgotten talents that is really damn good.
1: Well, it's easy to be forgotten in boxing, let alone when you take two years off. Right. So um, this is one hell of a reintroduction, though, because it was a a big showcase between Floyd showing up, um, between, you know, the caliber of fight that real hard-nosed boxing fans knew we were going to get, it was much to watch television for boxing fans. And for him to get that showcase, that platform again, and then to perform like that, I mean, 2017 is what he wants to make of it.
2: Yeah, pretty big year. I'm looking ahead to whatever Mikey Garcia does. I'm probably going to see him, you know, face the winner of the Linares-Crolet fight, uh, the lightweight unification fight. Totally fine with it. You know, whoever they want to put Mikey Garcia in there with, I just like to watch him fight.
1: Um, there was HBO fights. Yes, there were. Uh, Vargas came back. Versus Burschelt. should he have stayed away?
2: No, uh, he just lost to a better man that night. Um, Francisco Vargas, you know, has been in two fight of the years uh, against Casamirra and against Orlando Salido, and a lot of people wanted to see him running back with Salido. Well, Burschelt was the guy who was next up, and Burschelt gave him the business. Uh, I watched that fight when I got home and you know, Bristol was just a better fighter. Francisco Vargas is not a guy who, he was undefeated heading into this fight, but he's not a guy who was ever going to stay undefeated. He's been in a lot of tough fights. He's had his bell rung a few times. Um, and Bristol just kind of put the paws on him. And it got rough towards the later rounds because they, they could have stopped that fight a lot sooner than, than they did. I think it was stopped in the 10th. But uh, Vargas took a lot of punishment late in that fight. But um, regardless, he's still a, he's still a, He's still an intriguing fighter to watch. I, I still would like to see him fight Orlando Salido. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't even mind a rematch with, with Miura because you know, that was a hell of a fight. So there's still a lot of stuff there for him. He just ran into the wrong guy. Uh,
1: talking about Miura, yeah, him versus Roman, what did you think about that fight? Once again, both these fights actually were decently entertaining. It's Dude. just hard to sit down after the fights we were at and go back and watch them.
2: 2017 is a good year for boxing. Um, Miura versus Roman was a great fight. Uh, at a certain point, I thought Miura was gassed, and I thought Roman was going to beat him in the middle rounds, and Miura just turned it up and just was swinging for the fences and, and just beat the brakes off him late in the fight. Um, another excellent fight. It's, it's These are fights that I would suggest people go out of their way to watch. They, I mean, they weren't fight of the year, but boxing has turned in great shows through January. So... It's like with MMA lagging a bit in terms of you know no Conor McGregor and no Ronda Rousey, there's still going to be good fights. You know people complaining about boxing, you're getting to see a lot of the fights that you want that you've asked for. Um, you're seeing things that are competitive, nothing that are just one sided wipeouts. This is this has been a good year for boxing. So Muir looked great. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Vargas, Bursell, I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe he fights Orlando Salido. I'm not quite sure because now he's a, a title holder. So it's interesting, man. It's interesting. Good good week of boxing.
1: Yeah, we have a ton of stuff coming up in boxing, which is great. So boxing 2017 is just going to get bigger and better. Um, the heavyweights faced off for the first time, Joshua and Klitschko. I was hype just to see a stare down. Um, heavyweight boxing, I, I love it. This is a fight we wanted. Klitschko, you know, getting challenged by the young pup. And we'll see what they both have. So I'm excited for the rest of 2017 in the boxing world and in combat sports in general, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking UFC because we had a UFC card over the weekend and have one again this weekend. We'll preview and recap those and then get into Royal Rumble. So stay tuned. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible.
2: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get going to give you the deals and information, the brands you care about, while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card, right? You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, Do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out.
1: I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, we are back from the break. Um, Thank you guys for always filling out that survey, letting us know what you guys want to hear, and keeping the show free, of course. We have to talk about UFC Denver. Yeah. Interesting card, and it turns out that it has a lot of weight on what's going to happen for the rest of the summer in the UFC. Um, Something I didn't realize until kind of the card was over, and I was like, man, you can really see these things taking shape. Um, let's start off with something that was on the undercard, Aljamain Sterling losing again.
2: Yeah. Aljo lost to Rafael out Um, I was kind of pissed about it too. Uh,
1: did you think was, he lost?
2: Um, man, that, that, the first round was tough to call. I thought he won the third. I thought Sonsal won the second. So it wasn't a robbery. Um, but I, I thought, I thought he won, but I was just really like, this fight could go either way. Yeah. Um, so ultimately what it really does is, you know, Aljo has two losses back-to-back to Caraway and the Sunside. and I think it's more of a learning process for him because he, as talented as he is, I think he needs to understand what it's going to take to win. And you standing and striking or you grappling, which you may be better in both departments, I think he's still got to figure out a way to put it together to impress the judge. And I, uh, I think that's the really difficult part for him right now. Yeah. Sunside has been around for a while knows what to do, knows what's pleasing to the judges. Aljo's not necessarily there yet. He just and has to throw
1: hands. He has the feet, he has the ground game, but those necessarily aren't impressive. Right. And they lead to a lot of stagnant exchanges. You have to throw your hands.
2: Yeah, so he's he's in a tough position right now. I mean, he's lost two in a row, but it's not the end of the world for him. You know, we've seen lots of fighters lose two, three fights in a row and, and bounce back and be totally fine. And he's lost two split decisions, so... You know, I don't know who he fights next, but it'll be interesting. And the Sun South, for his, you know, for his worth, you know, he kind of bumps up the ladder, but it doesn't, you know, it wasn't a clear cut decision. And it was a good fight, though. I mean, mean, it was a good fight in terms of being close. It wasn't very exciting. So uh, we'll see what happens to both these guys for the immediate future.
1: And then we had Masvidal just annihilating Cowboy Cerrone.
2: Man, I think I think I mentioned this, but I didn't think it was a happen. I thought we were due for a cowboy letdown. It happens every six or so fights. He gets really hot, and then he has a letdown. Nate Diaz was a letdown. People thought he was going to kill Nate Diaz. People thought he was going to kill Masvidal. And I kept saying like Masvidal's. He's his. Don't be fooled by his record. There's a lot of fights that he lost by split decision. And if he p- focuses on finishing guys, he'll win. Did I see him finishing Cerrone? No. I didn't even think he was going to win. I thought it was going to be a really competitive fight The Cowboy's going to find a way to win. But he didn't. He got mauled. And, dude, now Master Dolls, I mean, he's a competitor in the welterweight division. Uh, the guy doesn't get hurt. He throws hands well. I don't know what's next for him, but where does the Cowboy go from here? Because this, this happens to him every damn time.
1: Cowboy's then- going to be Cowboy, right? He's going to fight in two months. Um, if he wants to get back in the title picture, all he's going to do is be a late, Injury replacement, he's gonna hop in. And he probably wins that fight, and then next thing you know, it's like, damn, Cowboy's back in the top five title contention again.
2: So here's a question: Does Cowboy ever hold the world title?
1: No, 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 no.
2: I agree. Cowboy I goes
1: down like Uriah Faber.
2: I think, I think with Cowboy, it's his his activity is his greatest strength, but is also his biggest detriment. Having a one month training camp can do not be not be good for your career you know he wanted to fight in colorado really bad and i don't know maybe if he had a full training camp he could have beat uh masvidal maybe not but the thing is is the the sheer amount of fights that this man takes is why people love him but i think there's no way he'll compete for a world title at fighting at this pace he has to slow down
1: yeah i'm and, not sure if you can be top level fighting every two months right it just yeah, doesn't I mean, work out
2: and, and it's mma sports that you're going to lose you know what i'm saying like you're not going to stay undefeated forever. You know, small-ass gloves, there's so many ways to lose. You'll eventually lose. So he lost. He he went on a great run and he lost. The thing about the welterweight division, he went on a great run, but he didn't beat any top 10 guys. So Masvidal was his best competition to date. People said Matt Brown, but Matt Brown was on a losing streak. Um, You know, Patrick Cote wasn't, you know, the, the greatest opponent out there. So he's a guy who's fun to watch, but I don't think he'll ever hold a world title.
1: No, I don't think so. But I, I don't think he. At this point, I'm not sure if he cares. He's just gonna keep fighting to fight. Um, he's in that next tier of pay bracket now. He's a star. Um, whether he wins or loses. Yeah. So he's gonna keep collecting the checks and he's gonna keep fighting. And worst comes to worst, he could always drop back down. If he That's wants true. to make the weight cut, like you know, just drop back down, take on some top ten guys there. He's probably, you know, fringe top five if he drops down. So you don't got to be the champion there. Just take on some more fights. Um, I mean, you look, he's going to be a lot bigger than the guys if he drops back down. We're, we're seeing guys like Jose Aldo talk about coming up. Right. You know, guys who are small. So he takes his chances. Um, he's in a good spot no matter what. Then we have future heavyweight champion, Francis... Uh, francis N. am not even
2: familiar. francis
1: in ganu yeah okay you you are the master of pronunciations with the african names i guess um we can't get a boxer's name right but you can get in <laughs> um francis and uh just knocking everyone out yo what can what can we say him and to me him and the black beast are the the future division one of them will be heavyweight champion by 2018 oh. It's
2: Nogano blew up Andrei Arlovsky, um, but it's not it's not a, a life changing knockout. Everybody knocks out Orlovsky these days. <laughs> um, but the heavyweight division is so thin that you know all it takes is a win or two, and your ass is in title contention. And Nogano beating Arlovsky, you know who does he fight next? I'm not sure.
1: Got to knock Whatever. out Reem, right?
2: I guess you got to fight over him. And that's a fight I'll be interested in seeing because Ngannou, you know, he finishes guys. All of his wins have been by finishes in MMA. He's lost one fight. I think it was his second fight in his career. Um, But, hey, we need new life in the the heavyweight division. We need guys that's going to go out there, throw hands, knock people out, and make things interesting because that division is so thin and there's just not a ton of competition there.
1: And if the Black Beast knocks out Mr. Rousey, I, I would assume next for him is a Verdum. Cause he's still the the peg above Ngannou then, so Ngannou can get Reem and then the Black Beast get you know that n- true number one contenders fight. Yeah, versus Verdoom right. and knockout power cells and those two have knockout power and they have a chance in every fight, and it, it'd be great to see.
2: Yeah, uh, like I said, you know beating Arlovski's you know it's, it's not nothing to brag about but it does. It does qualify you as a contender. In He's the a top
1: 10 guy. Yeah, <laughs>
2: absolutely. It's a top 10 guy, but it's just, like I said, it's an ultra thin division. I mean, who's, who else is there? Are you going to fight Frank Meir, Roy Nelson? I mean, Travis Brown? Uh, it's really, it's just not a lot of competition in the heavyweight division. You know, you're a winner or two away from title contention. Um, and who knows? You know, Stipe Miocic, he could hang around as the champ for a minute. He but could,
1: but we've never seen that in the heavyweight division.
2: No, nobody hangs around for more than like two title defenses. Then it's like somebody's going to beat that ass.
1: Yeah, small gloves, big men. It doesn't doesn't equal out very well. Um, We have the main event, Shevchenko versus Juliana Pena. And Shevchenko (laughs) can fight off her back. That was the last thing I had to see.
2: Yeah. Can she Uh,
1: fight off her back? And it's like, wow, she's well-rounded.
2: If anybody calls Valentino Shevchenko to beat Juliana Pena by an armbar or any type of submission, you're a fucking liar. Because nobody <laughs> called this. Nobody saw this coming. Um, you know, we never really saw Juliana off her back. There were things that Shevchenko was doing out there. You know, obviously, Pena came in to try to smother her and use her grappling and use her, her, her uh, top control to her advantage. But Worked out pretty just, well,
1: though, in that regard.
2: Yeah. And those things, she smothers Shevchenko. But, dude. That armbar was nasty. And all it does is, you know, it puts Shevchenko right back in line to fight Amanda Nunez. So props to Shevchenko, Pena, you go back to the back of the line. And, you know, obviously we have a Shevchenko and Nunez fight on the horizon, a rematch. See, this Uh, is
1: why 208 gets so complicated, though. What if Holly Holm wins?
2: I mean, okay.
1: Then the number one contender at 135 is better than your 145 champion. Like, leaps and bounds? Like, we just saw it.
2: Yeah, essentially.
1: So how don't you give Shevchenko, who's already small for 135, a shot at 145? Like, or how do you not allow Amanda, who beat Shevchenko, to automatically move up?
2: Well, see, the problem was Dana White saying that um, Amanda Newgess needs to defend the title before she considers a, a, a fight at featherweight. She's already defended the title. She beat him at Ronda Rousey. I think Dana White totally forgot about that.
1: He put that way in the rear view like he's erased that from his memory
2: so in essence you know the featherweight division's extraordinarily thin but you know weights could matter you know i mean dude holly holmes fighting um jermaine and jermaine hasn't beaten anybody who's ever won a fight in the ufc so that featherweight division is just a real joke right now so if holly wins yes shevchenko's better than her as the number one contender as a bantamweight um but you know maybe holly's better as a featherweight maybe the weight's gonna be good for her. i doubt it but that i mean it's it's a mess and 208 in itself is a mess
1: oh two um, that sh- it should be a free card
2: yeah it, it's it's just a mess right now and it, i don't know the implications there, there's nothing heavy <laughs> there if, if holly wins if Jermaine, wins, whoever wins who cares you're yep. the champ but so we're just
1: waiting for cyborg to kill somebody like, that's all that's it you know, you're, you're a cow waiting to be slaughtered you
2: know and she still has her hearing and everything else to figure out what's going to happen to her but in the interim you know i could see somebody like Kat Zingano bumping up to featherweight because she's pretty big um and challenging for a title but again the division's so thin there's just not and it's and, and not in a bad way the invictor in
1: 145 pound champion looked great
2: yeah. So, it, you know, it's not in a bad way because people were like, they shouldn't have a, a featherweight division because there's not enough women to compete. I disagree. I think there could be, you know, I think it would be great for um, Cyborg to fight in that division. And if you build it,
1: they will come.
2: Exactly. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But, uh, you know, I, I expect a lot of these women to jump up and we'll see what happens.
1: Before we get to UFC Houston, we have to talk about something that really pissed me off. Talking about Dana White. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast that he was, the UFC, what, what is it? The joint with his friends. <clears throat> it's on UFC.com, whatever it is. Um, their unfiltered podcast or whatever. He said, John Jones, in July, when he returns from suspension, will fight the winner of Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson. What the I mean, hell is going on right now? No, no, there is no just, I, no, n- not again, not again. He's fought three times since 2014. He's pulled out of two fights, title fights, due to suspensions. No, nope, no, nope, can't sell me on it. I don't care, like, oh, he doesn't need a warm-up fight. Look, he, he looked horrible in his last warm-up fight. You should probably give him another one.
2: Yeah, I dude, I agree with you 100%. I said it the last time that John Jones shouldn't have got a title shot, and you see what happened. So I, I've said this shit for years. Like, you can't keep qualifying him as a fuck up to allow him to come back as a fuck up and jump right back into title contention. Like I said last time, he should have fought Anthony Johnson or he should have fought uh, Alexander Gustafson. And I'm going to echo that. If you're going to come back, you need to fight Alexander Gustafson before you get a title shot. I yeah. get it. He's the best fighter, blah, blah, blah. He's got to pay his dues at this point. He keeps fucking up. And when you keep fucking up, you got to do something about it. He's a flight
1: risk amongst everything. He's a flight risk. How are you going to bank on another pay-per-view on this guy? Yeah, so, uh, you know... This is the we don't have Connor and we're desperate move.
2: Yeah, it's like they're going to have to get him into a fight. But, again, I think John Jones fighting um, Gustafson is a great fight for him because... It's a, it's a grudge match, essentially, you know, and the man who really pushed him to the limit because Cormier didn't push him to the li- limit like Gus did. Granted, John revealed all this other stuff about partying and drinking and uh, everything leading into that fight and not taking it seriously, but you need to get that win and win definitively before you go into a title shot. Now, all this to say... If Rumble somehow beats Cormier in Buffalo, which is a shitty place to have this fight, speaks a lot to what you think of Buffalo. And what do you think of your light heavyweight champion if they're going to be fighting in Buffalo? Not necessarily.
1: I think it was a good move. Buffalo? Um, Yeah, just because originally they sold this fight to the Toronto fans. And those Toronto fans really came out to support these two guys fighting in Toronto. And then they pull out. So Buffalo is a stone's throw from Toronto. So you at least let those fans have an opportunity that if they want to make the quick drive and you know can pass Trump's custom rules, that they can come and watch the fight that they had originally paid for in December.
2: Good point. Good point. So yeah, it, it's, it's
1: good to give them that fight back. Like, listen, we promoted this fight. You guys came out. You guys wanted this fight. Just come down to Buffalo, man. You guys can still watch it. We're sorry.
2: Yeah, made a good point. So at any, any rate, you know, once that fight, if, if Rumble were to beat Cormier. I kind of wouldn't mind John fighting uh, Rumble in the summer.
1: <laughs> you just want to see John get knocked out.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I think Cormier, I don't think he deserves a fight with Cormier, but he does deserve to get his hand, get hands put on him by Rumble in one way, one way or another. I think Rumble needs to get his hands on John Jones. because it's a fight we haven't seen yet. So I prefer that fight, whether Rumble's the champ or not, I think John should fight Rumble if he's not going to fight Gustafson. I just don't think if Cormier's a champ, that he should fight Cormier. And it sucks because I know DC wants to get that win back against John so bad, but we're not really in that much of a hurry. You know, let's let's make John pay his dues to prove that, you know, he can stay off the cocaine and he, you know, doesn't get dick pills from some jerk in the, in the gym. Like, get your life straight.
1: <laughs> stay away from the dick pills. Yeah. That should be the moral of the story. Um, all right. We do have a card coming up, though. We have UFC Houston. Super Bowl weekend card, always. Uh, it's not a numbered card this year, which is cool with me. Um, you know, Brooklyn had to get some love, I guess. But yeah. they're putting on a decent show. Uh, nothing else to do Super Bowl the night before Super Bowl, so fans might as well watch it. It is headlined by Dennis Bermudez versus Korean Zombie, which should be exciting. Uh, Ovin St. Pru comes back on the card versus this dude Vulcan, who I am not pronouncing his last name.
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna try. Here. Ozdemir? Ozdemir? I guess that's what we'll call Ozdemir? it. Ozdemir? Okay, good. You know, I Ozem.
1: swear there's something in there that's silent. At least two of those letters are silent. Yeah. Um, but no, Ovin St. Peru he needs to bounce back fight. So that's good. Um Jessica Andrade versus Angie Hill, which should be great.
2: Yeah, it kind of sucks for Angie because it's like as you know, her Invictor Run was great and it feels like she should come back and get not a gimme fight. But it's like, damn! You keep throwing to the wolves. Every time Angie comes back to the UFC, they throw into a really tough fight. But and she's
1: this is a legit like title contention fight.
2: No, she it looks is
1: good. She can bump straight from Invicta champion to one fight to going against Joanna.
2: Style wise, it's just rough because Andraza's is wrestler. She's strong. Angie he struggles. She likes to you know deal with people who stand up and strike. So style wise, it's a bad matchup for her, um, and she knows it. But it is what it is. I think. Me personally, I think Angie Hill is a great ambassador for women's MMA. I think she's she's great on Twitter. She's a colorful personality. I like her a lot. Um, and I like to see her do great things uh, in the women's strawweight division. You know, ultimately, the women's strawweight divisions, people forget, like, Joanna tech is so far ahead of the pack, I don't know who can compete with her. And maybe Angie Hill somebody that would be a fun match with these two striking against each other. So there's a lot of intrigue there. It would have been a lot um, easier
1: if she fought, like, a karate hottie or Paige Van Zandt or.
2: That, uh, that's know. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Andrade is a tough fight to deal with. Um, Alexa Grosso is also – she's on this card against Felice Herrig. Um, Grosso is, you know, one of the top prospects in the, in the women's strawweight division. Um, I'm looking forward to watching her fight again.
1: And Felice so, – Felice, come on. Like, that's drag. That's, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of a gimme fight for
2: CrossFit. Yeah, she's, she's an American Ninja Warrior. That's who Felice Herrick is. And she's got a phenomenal physique. Like her body, like is like I was like, Oh yeah, this she is looks crazy. amazing. She just yeah, she looks can't like fight Tarzan
1: fight. fights like Jane. It is yeah.
2: what it is. Um your is on the fight versus James Vick. Um, that's actually a pretty good fight. Uh, I like watching Abel fight, you know, I think Somebody's
1: getting knocked out. Whenever yeah, eight somebody's eight gonna get get hurt.
2: And ultimately, uh the Bermuda's chance on Jung, the Korean zombies back. I'm gonna pick the Korean zombie because we haven't seen him in a while. And I think this, yeah, it'll be a fun fight. It's not a it's not a, a super loaded fight, it's just something to do before the Super Bowl. Yes, and I'm nice. Here for
1: it. I like the Tisha Torres versus Beck Rollins fight.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually a really good fight. Women's strawberry division is a, a, sneaky, a lot of good like,
1: card. Stuff. Yeah. Th- I'm not mad at this card at all. Like, as disappointed as I am in two oh eight This, I'm like, you know what? This is probably going to surpass my expectations. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a nice little thing to do on Saturday. So um, I'm also going to go with the Korean Zombie. I'm just not a huge Dennis Bermudez fan. He's good. I I like to see him fight. He's entertaining. I just don't have confidence in him winning. So I'll go with the Korean Zombie, uh, Alexa Grasso, and OSP. So those would be my picks for the top of the card. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the world of USC right now. Dana White's scrambling without McGregor. So it looks like we'll be talking more John Jones as uh, the future approaches. Right now, we're going to take a break because we have so much wrestling to talk about that it's insane. We got to talk about this Seth Rollins injury due to the hands of Samoa Joe on his debut. Your boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to talk about Royal Rumble. What was, what wasn't, everything that's going on. So stay tuned right after this break. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies: springing, latex foam, and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free.
2: Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping? By, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com, backslash the corner, and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code the corner to save $50 towards the Casper purchase terms and conditions apply. Look again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. All
1: right, we are back. We got to talk Seth Rollins injury first, because it's the latest thing to happen. Um, man, if, We'll get to it more in depth later, but Samoa Joe debuts on Raw. We get him as Triple H's enforcer, which is great, especially um, seeing, which we'll talk about here shortly, um, the crossover between main roster and NXT, finally, and the crossover between characters on Triple H in NXT and in the main roster, where everyone assumed Triple H was the nice guy on NXT, but they played it perfectly. Those are his guys. Don't get it confused. So Seth Rollins came to his ring with his guys, and he got his guy to defend him. Um, And and it worked out perfectly for the storyline. And sadly, it looks like Seth Rollins has another leg injury, knee injury. I didn't see a cast. I didn't see anything that's like torn ACL status, but it doesn't look good.
2: No, I mean, Seth, uh, you know, an injury like this, is there's one or two things. It could be a good thing if he's out until Mania. If he can still perform at Mania, then that's great. Um, I don't know how he gets his comeuppance with Joe up until that point, but if he's out for Mania, then this sucks. Then this changes everything um, because obviously this is the one program that you've been building towards since last summer, and it was it was a, you penc- this card, This fight was penciled in way before Mania was really taking shape. So everything will take a turn. And I have no idea how they'll play this out afterward. But um I don't know. You know, hopefully this is not serious. When you gotta see Dr. James Andrews, it's never a good thing. Um once once his name comes up, and they said Rollins had to visit James Andrews, it usually means some, you know, some structural damage, and it usually means you might be out for on the shelf for a while. Hopefully that's not the case. I hope Seth Rollins recovers. One of the best talents on the roster, but you know, this—it's this, a bad break. Like, if you if you watch Raw and you watch Joe putting the kikina clutch, you can kind of watch Seth. The way he falls is awkward. Um, so, you know, we'll see if there's any real structural damage. Hopefully, he's okay. Uh, but damn, man, you know, what do you do with Seth Rollins from this point? If he's if he's hurt now for an extended period of time, what do you do with him?
1: I mean, it's, it's Seth. He's gonna bounce back. He's still gonna be a top guy. You just lose all momentum and steam for this feud and yeah it sucks because it's been what a year in the making yeah, well, um or at least I mean, SummerSlam. Yeah. so well no I mean,
2: you can even you can go before that because there was always tension there was always this small tension brewing between seth and triple h so it's yeah it's almost it's been like a year in the making if they wanted to get this done
1: yeah it's um it's rough though i mean you look at the picture seth posted um with the electrotherapy and everything going on it's usually not Something that comes along with a torn ACL. That's not how they uh, really diagnose the torn ACL or the procedure. You're in a straight leg cast if they think that it's a torn ACL, right? Right. But when you do tear an ACL, there's other things that go into it as far as a torn meniscus, which elevates your chances of tearing your meniscus after you tear an ACL. Um, It looked as though they were given electric shock therapy on his thigh, which now the ligaments connecting your thigh to the bone by your knee can be damaged. Or you can tear that. Um, You can tear a quad, something of the sort. So a torn quad means a long time. We've seen Triple H, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. But if it's just a meniscus tear, you you strap a, a good brace on that bad boy and you're good to go. Or you can have surgery and be back in six weeks from a torn meniscus. So there's there's a lot of stuff that can still happen there. The storyline is still going. Seth is going to be fine. No matter where he comes back, he's going to be a top guy. His talking has gotten so much better. Any feud you throw him in, now, man, imagine Joe having the title when Seth comes back. And yeah, the feud and ways. the animosity there, it's going to help Joe in the long run. Because as soon as we saw him debut, we were like, damn, he's going to job to Seth. And then what? For Joe at WrestleMania.
2: Right. We didn't know. So, but um, now
1: he can start this time. He can be Triple H's guy. He can start a fresh feud. um Who knows who he goes after? We we can see maybe Jericho drops the belt to Sami Zayn, which we'll talk about when we review Raw. Those those are kind of hinted at, right? So maybe we get Joe versus Sami Zayn. Um, you just don't know the feud Joe can get in. Maybe they give Joe a title. Maybe he's just menacing. Maybe just screws people over for the next month or two at Triple H's whim. So we'll see. There's a lot of options, and uh, it's going to be fun.
2: Indeed. So let's start at the beginning. NXT Takeover.
1: <sighs> NXT. Um, man, let's see. What was the first match on NXT? Ty first Dillinger. Name. Yeah. And I always pop crazy for Ty Dillinger, so that's cool. Uh the entrance is still great. I'm not sold on EY yet. Um just him is just him. I like Sanity. Um Damo was really good or Killian Dame now. Um Nikki Cross, which we'll talk about in a second, is great. I just don't know about EY. Maybe it's because he wears a skirt.
2: <laughs> I mean uh you know, I follow EY and TNA and Eric Young when he was not this Grovelly, like his voice change i won't even call it a voice change but his voice reminds me so much of Shawn michaels like you look at him and you're like that voice comes out of that dude but um you know i like eric young uh and i think he needed to go over on dillinger because you got to establish sanity as a real presence and a real threat in the nxt and it, it, we're at the we're at this crossroads with nxt where there's like changing of the guard and they're trying to figure out who the top people are going to be and some decisions that were made on TakeOver I didn't agree with, um, but this is where they're at. And Rude, I mean not Rude, uh, uh, Eric Young needed to go over on Dillinger. Dillinger doesn't, he's just that guy who doesn't need to win. And if he's, I don't know if this means he ends up in the main roster because he shows up on the Royal Rumble the day, a day later. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see any way to, other way to go about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he's on the main wa- roster, he's definitely going to SmackDown.
2: Well, yeah, they need the help.
1: Yeah, and he's a SmackDown type of guy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, agree. Uh
1: But, yeah, I mean, don't know what that means for him. EY, it's like, who does he feud with next? Who's the next baby face? Um, we'll talk about, I guess we talk about it right now, Andres, <laughs> Andres, uh, Andrade <laughs> San Amos. Uh, he lost... To Roderick Strong, so is EY versus Roddy Strong next? Are they that desperate to build baby faces? Because there's a ton of heels.
2: No, there are. There are. the. Uh, well, first of all, the Roderick Strong and Cian, uh, the Almas match was actually really good. It was, it was, a, it was a really, really good match. But Cian Almas um. is
1: good in the ring.
2: Yeah, he is. He is really good, and Roger Strong is also very good in the ring. So these two paired up and had a much better match than I thought. Not because I didn't think they were going to have a good match. They got more time than I expected them to, to get, and the the this closing stretch, like the final seven minutes, were really good. Um, you know, good for Roger Strong. They need to build a babyface. You know, maybe he feuds with Rue down the line. I don't know. But Almas is a guy who's uh He's another guy. I don't feel like he needs a win. I just think think he needs an image makeover, and I think losing kind of. It's like the reverse Ziggler. I don't think he turns babyface, but I think it'll add a mean streak to him. So, I'm totally fine with him losing this match. Uh, I like say I said, he
1: loses until he throws the mask back on. Until he just gets fed up and say, you know what? All my power is in this damn mask. Like, push your teeth. Power's in the hair. I
2: don't think they're ever going to go back to that mask. he got to go back to the mask. <sighs> I, I wish you were right, but if they didn't put it on Sami Zayn, I don't think they're going to put it on Almas.
1: Well, Sami Zayn's not Mexican. <laughs> that was a caricature. So... I mean, it's different than someone who is actually part of their culture.
2: True. True indeed. Um,
1: what else, but, other match did we have?
2: What was after that? So after we had those two, we moved on to the Tag Team Championship match between the Authors of Pain and, and DIY. Uh-oh.
1: Let's hear your <sighs> thoughts on this.
2: I don't like Authors of Pain. Oh. I, <laughs> I, I just don't. Like, them as champions.
1: I thought it was like, a good
2: match. No, I thought it was a good match, too. But you can't have a bad match with Ciampa and Gargano, True. like because if you look, like Gargano and Ciampa did all the heavy lifting in this match.
1: Yes, they like, did.
2: All, they did all the heavy lifting, and the reason why the, the match had great drama was there was two callback spots: the revival match, um, you know, the both the submissions in the middle of the ring, like, and you know, you know, going for the finisher at the end. But other than that, all those pain are just guys who kind of lumber forward and just use power moves. As tag team
1: champions? Their tag team power moves are dope, though.
2: But they're, they're so limited. It's like the five moves of doom. It's like the, you know it's like ho- two Hulk Hogan's as a tag team. <laughs> I can't see them as tag team champions. And I, and I said this about Rude, and I, I'll kind of take it back. But um, I can't see them as champions because I don't see them having the work rate that previous champions before them had. DIY, American Alpha, and The Revival. Were tag teams that you enjoyed watching because the work was so good. Who is Authors of Pain going to feud with now that you're really intrigued to see them paired with DIY? And it's like, so was DIY get the win back? There was, I don't. There's no takeover until WrestleMania, so the, the booking is is I'm really curious about how they move forward with this because it was, it was a good match, but yeah, I'm okay with I, seeing
1: them go against the revival once again. They're monster heels. So they can feud with another heel faction, and you kind of start feeling bad for the other heels.
2: Do you kind of feel like, though, that after SmackDown, which we'll touch on way a little bit more down the line, when they talked about guys that feud with American alpha that the revival has to go up to SmackDown? Oh man. We yeah. haven't seen them.
1: It's an open challenge, right? So right. you would think, but really, we've seen it. They haven't seen it, but we've seen it, and so far, I haven't seen them put anyone in a feud to replicate an NXT feud yet, outside of the women. Yes. And I'm not even sure that's the case. I mean, Sasha and Charlotte were a blink of an eye um, in NXT, and then Charlotte and Bayley really never had a program in NXT. So, no, I I don't think they've rehashed any NXT feuds yet. Not one.
2: But this one I wouldn't mind because the Revival are clearly one of the best tag teams in all of WWE right now. So if they were to go up, I'm totally fine with that. It's just I don't like Authors of Pain as champions. But I think they kind of paint – NXT painted themselves in a the corner by giving them such a monster push that they had really had no choice but to put the titles on them. Yeah, cause it's because it's too early for them to lose. <laughs> exactly. Once they lose, the, the heat is, is off of them, and then nobody cares. So I get, I understand the decision at this point, but I feel like you painted yourself in the corner and you had something really great with DIY who didn't manage to defend the titles at all since winning them in Toronto. They could have had a good title run. So they
1: need, what they need is a, the next tag team to come up like TM61, who I guess was getting an image makeover anyway. Um, so the injury might be a blessing in disguise because they'll come back as probably the mighty don't kneel in full characters um which helps because the six one makes no damn sense right so if they come back fully as the mighty don't Kneel and have a great character change and an intro and a whole look to them they'll be fine but who's next i don't because know even if I'll... you bring up the revival who's another tag team they don't have another tag team
2: no what are you gonna do Go with, uh, with sanity with demo and uh who's that? wolf, and wolf
1: so i mean maybe... maybe but then that's another group of monster heels
2: that's what I'm saying. They, they don't really have anybody with that work rate. And I, I, I honestly, I don't know where you go. And this, this is when I say things like 205 Live, some of those guys could be better utilized on NXT.
1: Yes.
2: Like you spread yourself really thin with 205 Live. I mean, I don't want to like, see
1: the Bali boys necessarily, but shit. No, at least absolutely. A tag not.
2: Team. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you, see, you have guys like Akira Zazawa, Noam Dar, which, I mean, we'll talk about the Cruiserweight division a little bit later, but the Cruiserweight division is really just floundering. And I love it's just,
1: 205 Live. So you speak yeah. for yourself. I love 205 Live. I thought their last three programs, like legit programs. This is their first three, to be honest. Um, if you don't count Brian Kendrick versus uh T what TJ Perkins. Damn, I forgot his name already. Uh, fucking TJ
2: Perkins. Forgettable.
1: Yeah, so um, but these three programs, the last three, were amazing. Great but, writing, great storytelling.
2: But the problem with two oh five live, just really quick and we'll go back to NC takeover is it shouldn't be in the same arenas as Raw and SmackDown.
1: True. The crowd would pop so much better if it was in Orlando.
2: You put them in full sale, you put them after NXT, then it's a better show. But then it becomes the same show.
1: But I feel like but, the UK is going to take that spot.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know where it's going to go because um, uh, Nigel McGuinness is actually going to be commentating on NXT. That was a new announcement. Uh, Corey Graves is going full-time over to Raw. So... I don't. I, I have no idea how they play this UK thing. They they don't need another show. The last thing the WWE Networks needs is another show. They need to establish 205 Live and retool it in the way that's going to work. Anyway, going back, um, Authors of Pain won. Not a fan of that decision. Not a fan of them as a tag team. Um, Paul Ellering is. It's just a really weird pairing. Whatever they won. I'm, I just don't know where they go into the the Mania Takeover with any of this stuff yet. I like um, it's to
1: throw back, Mister Fuji you know, Demolition type. It's dope. Like, those are like early 90s, late 80s style tag teams.
2: Well, I mean, Paul, it's like Paul Ellering's Samoan version of the Legion of Doom.
1: Yeah, which is cool. But and the it, who else did we have? We had the Wild Samoans for a second. We've always had tag teams like this. Yeah, It's just the I, new I, version.
2: I'm just not a fan. Of, I'm just not a fan of Authors of Paint. I'm not a fan of their ring work. Anyway, uh, moving on, this is when Seth Rollins showed up to take over, take over. Uh, and... Said his piece before Triple H came out and showed his face. I think it's a great move to cross promote your brands. It's great because you have a former NXT champion and Seth Rollins appearing where he can't. The only place where he knows he can find Triple H was at Takeover. I I, I really love this. Um, I thought it was going to happen at the Royal Rumble. You thought Seth Rollins was going to be the Royal Rumble? Eh, Wrong answer.
1: He would have been healthy, but no, they they planned it out well.
2: Yeah, so I thought this was a good angle. Um, unfortunately, with the Rollins injury, there's not much more to talk about with it. <laughs> it's, you know, he's, he's hurt.
1: That's it. Um, and then we get the women's match.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, dude, there was no doubt that Oscar was going to win this match. But every week I say the same thing that speaks to the, 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 the lack of depth in the women's division. And all of this is a holding pattern for Ember Moon to wrestle Oscar. That's the only thing that I see going in the WrestleMania Takeover that makes sense. Correct. Um, this match it was what it was. You know, Peyton, Peyton Royce and uh, Billy Kay. I mean, they had their, their little move on the their, their table spot. You know, they tried to work together as a tag team, but you know, there was there was no doubt. Like this would have been better served as a Nikki Cross versus Oscar match. I just mm-hmm. feel like they were in the way.
1: Yeah, I I thought so too. But, I mean, they were trying to really push them. And they've been there for so long that you got to see what they have. Um, But them needing each other every step, like, okay, then just Dragon Ball Z fuse them so they can be one wrestler. Because as two separate wrestlers, they don't work. Um, If they use this as some type of turn to have them go against each other, then cool. Then you give them their own program, right? Um, Yeah. Which which is great, and that's a good spinoff. But Nikki Cross... And Asuka would have put on such a better match. And I like Nikki Cross, the flying off the turnbuckle to the outside. She gets good elevation. Um, She has better moves than she's even shown. They just need to let her rock out. A lot of her moves now are still based on character. And the crazy girl aggression, blah, blah, blah. But she has some good technical moves. So if we get to see her and Asuka, maybe run it one-on-one leading up um, to the next match, that'd be great and somehow spin that into the Ember Moon. Story, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. But Nikki Cross is uh, definitely one of the best in that division. And they need that. And they need to showcase her. So I thought she had good spots in the match. Asuka obviously dominated. Um, the table spot was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as horrible as I thought it could be.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It existed. It wasn't um, a
1: Divas match. Yeah, We've come true. a long way. <laughs> We're true spoiled indeed. fans. Um, main event time. It was glorious. Um, Entrance for Bobby Roode, I thought, was dope. Nothing better than six girls matching a rope. Right. Um, Shinsuke coming down with the strobe light moving ramp was cool. Um, The match itself was better than I thought it would be. A great drama to me. Great storytelling. Um, One of Shinsuke's best matches in NXT. And I didn't think I'd say that. Um, If not the best one I've seen out of him so far. And I
2: thought the yeah. ending was great. Yeah, I'm again. I'm I'm not big on Bobby Roode being the champ right now. Um, I I kind of get the decision, the angle that they played for him to get the title with Nakamura injuring himself with a I'm gonna keep calling the Boomaye instead of the Kinshasa. but you know. I'm not going to say it was completely silly because it wasn't terribly predictable because, you know, as soon as Bobby Roode hit his finisher, you know, Nakamura kicked out and you really didn't know where this match was going. It was a good match. Um, The entrances were solid. The energy was good. Uh, I I don't know. It just I'm not going to say it was missing something. I just I'm not sure of the decision to put the strap on Roode right right now. Because does it lead to a rematch between these two at TakeOver for WrestleMania weekend? And if so, it always feels like WrestleMania weekend should have something fresh for its main event. So we've already seen these two. And, and what happens with NXT is we get a rematch and then there's a stipulation. It's like it's becoming like a pattern. So the pattern is you, you, know, you lose the, the – because here, this is where I'm a little confused about this. Nakamura just got the strap back off of Joe after losing it at the last takeover. So this is two takeovers in the row that Nakamura has lost. Now, if the decision for him to lose was to bring him up to the main roster, that w- I would have understood why he lost. But him losing at two back-to-back takeovers to win the title back on two basically untelevised programs of NXT that had to be pre- televised later is kind of strange for me. Because why would he win the title back off of Joe? Because even though they're moving Joe to the main roster and then drop it immediately to Rude. Then he's going to have to wrestle Roode again at the next pay-per-view in a stipulation match. That's, that's too In which he has to
1: lose him. and drop it if they bring him up to the main roster for a huge pop after Mania. But see? But I don't, don't think he's going now then.
2: But, but this is what this is what I told you. This is what I said before. I don't think Nakamura is coming to this main roster. It may not be till the end of the year. I can't see him losing again at TakeOver and then being brought up. Because then you squashed all of his momentum. So you put him in a position where if he's going to wrestle Rude again at TakeOver, there's not enough talent to put around him for like a triple threat or a fatal four-way. What are you going to do, put him in another cage? I feel like we're in this weird holding pattern with these two. Before this feud really even kicked off, I didn't even think the feud had that much heat going into TakeOver for Rude to win. So – the match was good in itself, but the storyline surrounding all this is a little, I'm a little curious about how, how they handled this because they could have had Rude win by DQ or an injury ends the match and then these, the, the feud heats up. But having Rude go over on Nakamura in the second consecutive takeover is really questionable to me because I don't know how you're handling Nakamura now. And that makes, like I said, it makes me believe that I don't, I said, my bold prediction was Nakamura wasn't coming to the main roster until next year. And I feel like now it's it's coming true because there's no way you bring him up after he faces Rude or whoever he faces at the next takeover.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they do it. Um, Man, it's, he's stuck. He's, same thing we saw about Finn Balor last year, right? Where you're stuck in the feud. Yeah and Finn didn't come up until the draft so if they have another draft in july that's the earliest we see knock at this point which sucks (laughs) because we all want knock but maybe vince doesn't see knock as who we see him as which is always the problem which we'll talk about when you know talking about this royal rumble it's we see everything clearly a lot of people in the building see everything clearly obviously due to the booking on nxt and so forth um and even the weekly shows to some extent. And the pay-per-view booking, the main event booking, still comes down to Vince, and he doesn't see it that way.
2: Yeah, I just don't, I don't know what the strategy is. Maybe it is that not comes in during the draft. But it's just to squash his momentum was a really strange thing to me. Because if he wasn't being brought up, because obviously the plan was to bring Joe up, if it wasn't being, being brought up, to have him lose to Rude, and Rude, who I think is the guy who was clearly main roster ready, but now he's NXT champion, so he's not going anywhere immediately unless he loses to knock a TakeOver and then Rude goes up. All of this is just really strange to me. All in all, I thought TakeOver was a solid pay-per-view. It wasn't great. It exceeded my expectations, but it still wasn't great. And that's because of the the, the lack of talent that's there now. Um, and not that it's necessarily a tremendous lack of talent. It's just they, they've lost so much that they're still trying to plug in You know, between the women's division, between the main – you know the heavy, the, the title contenders. Um, there's no like intercontinental title or anywhere else. So it's like you got guys like Roderick Strong, Austin Aries, who's been hurt. Um, they just have to figure this shit out. And this was this was solid. I just I wasn't blown away. I watched it and I was like, all right, cool. And I, it's time for the Royal Rumble.
1: Yeah, um, Royal Rumble. If you had to give the pay per view a grade, what are you giving?
2: The Royal Rumble. Um it was it was good until the final stretch of the Royal Rumble. Like this this was like a, pay B pay-per-view. Because Styles Cena was great. Um Owens uh reigns ended great. It just it ended exactly the way I said it would, with Strowman interfering. Then it just got weird. Because the rumble itself yielded a finish that I mean, it was reported on the dirt sheets, which I clearly stayed away from because everybody was on my line. I was like, yo, Meltzer said Randy Orton. I was like, dude, I wasn't." I try to go on this thing as blind as possible sometimes so I can be surprised. I felt like this was a rumble where I didn't want to be tipped off of who was going to win. So when Orton won, I looked at my screen TV and said, the fuck? That's what I said. But I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, let's just talk about the matches. What, what did you give it before we start talking about the matches?
1: Oh, I gave it a B, a strong B. But it was it was in the A range, A A minus until the Rumble.
2: Yeah, it was it was it's a weird. They booked this World Rumble really strange, and it was only really booked strange from like the middle to the end. It got really awkward, and I just didn't know what they were doing. Um, So let's talk about let's let's go to the beginning. I don't want to talk about the the three way match on the pre show because nobody cares about Becky Nikki and mickey james and all them. i do want to talk about sasha getting squashed though is this the right decision
1: oh i mean is it a squash match if no one saw it like if you're gonna get squashed don't you get squashed on the pre-show um i don't like it i i think they had to keep naya strong at this point they're scrambling for depth so sasha's gonna be all right with a loss or with a win same thing kind of with charlotte at this point Charlotte could drop the belt, you know, every Monday Night Raw as long as she wins at pay-per-views. Um, she, Sasha can w- lose all the time as long as she gets one big pop a year. When she does win, she cries and people love it. So uh, yeah. it's, it's just the nature of the beast and they have no depth. So Knight has to squash someone besides these random flunkies every week. So yeah. she beat up on Sasha. Sasha could play the revenge angle. Um, and that's what they're going for. I, I think we get the f- fatal four-way.
2: Yeah, I, the match itself, I was, you know, it, I'm glad it was on the pre show because I didn't want to get s- squashed on the uh, actual pay per view. But it was on the pre show. It was done f- because they're trying to make Nia Jax look strong, but no matter what they do, she just doesn't look strong. Anymore. And then on top of that, Sasha didn't look good in this match either. Like the strikes she were throwing looked very weak. It was just like a weak match that existed to try to make Nia look strong, and it, it still failed to make her look like a monster heel. So. I shrug my shoulders and say, whatever. Um, what about the club going over on Sheamus and Cesar on the pre-show? How that title has went from prominent to who cares?
1: Um, this is not who cares. The SmackDown titles, who cares? They they weren't on the show. You're right. So, I mean, the pre-show, it, it is what it is. It was a stacked card. They gave the main matches a ton of time. And it benefited from that. So... I thought the tag match could have been a little better. It wasn't a horrible match. And I think Anderson and Gallows, like I predicted, deserve the titles. Now their next feud is what's important.
3: No. It's against,
1: I thought it'd be against Enzo and Cass, but I'm not so sure after all. Um, we'll see. The New Day, Enzo and Cass, something. They need to be the guys, and they have to win a legit match on the Raw only pay per view
2: doesn't it make you wonder what the hell the point of putting Seamus and Cesaro together was to win the title and lose it on the pre-show um
1: i I think they run it back if anything because the dissension is there between Cesaro and Seamus. so i think they call for the rematch at the next pay-per-view and lose clean to anderson and gallows
2: i hope so i mean anderson and gallows they need to push i just i just wish they would have got a push on you know the main portion of the show but like you said it was too stacked uh what was next
1: um, what was the first match of the no, we had something else to end the pre-show.
2: Nope, nope, I'm not talking about that women's match. I'm not talking about it.
1: Okay. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> so we, sk- we're skipping we ran over into,
2: that. Yeah, Charlotte and Bailey. Uh singles Charlotte, match, Bailey. women's title, Charlotte goes over, natural selection on the end of the apron. I thought this this wasn't a great match, but it was booked perfectly. Charlotte can't lose at the pay-per-view. There's no reason for you to tease that she's undefeated at pay-per-view and have her lose. And you need to have put Bailey in chase mode. You can't put the title on Bailey. There's, there's no reason to do it so soon. The crowd needs to sympathize with it a little bit more. And Char, it just kind of really encapsulates how head and shoulders above the rest of the competition Charlotte is. So uh, I was
1: not necessarily above Sasha. Her push is a lot better than Sasha's,
2: dude. But I mean, right? Okay. I like Sasha. My issue with Sasha is her promos haven't improved. Charlotte is an excellent promo now.
1: Your issue with Sasha is her best promos in NXT were heel promos. But
2: they still weren't on the level of what Charlotte is delivering right now. And
1: Charlotte right now, even in NXT, she wasn't a monster heel. When she got to the main roster, she wasn't a great heel. They turned her heel, and then her, her natural charisma shines through. They're not allowing Sasha to be the heel that we all liked in NXT. Good girl Sasha isn't going to cut his good promos. But you let Sasha talk that talk, as a heel, she'll be leaps and bounds better in her promos. That's when she can grow, but she's not in that. Charlotte's the number one heel. They don't need another heel because they have Charlotte, Nia Jax, and Sasha can't be a heel right now on this roster. She could when it was her, Becky Lynch, and Bailey.
2: Yeah, But it's not what she
1: has now. So she can't be the heel that allows her to shine. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. And with Charlotte, big ups to her. She took it and ran with it. I mean, it's the same thing we want from Roman Reigns. No. Charlotte was okay. She was okay.
2: No. But you allow her to
1: be a true heel and develop that character, and now she's really good.
2: But she was a heel before she came to the main. She was a heel in NXT, and she wasn't this good.
1: Yeah, no, she was a bland heel.
2: No, she, but that's what I'm saying. She's gotten exponentially better as a character and, and, and as a women's champ. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, like Sasha would be better off as a heel. But I feel like Sasha's been in neutral, and I'm not totally blaming it. I'm not going to blame it on the powers that be that are holding Sasha back because she's not a heel right now. I feel like her ring work has been solid, but it hasn't improved, and she's feeling she's wrestling a lot more cautious now. I feel like her promo work, face her heel. You gotta learn how to nail a promo. And I feel like a lot of her promos are stilted. And she's good and but she needs to improve. And right now, Charlotte is head and shoulders above everybody else on the women's roster. And it needs to show until WrestleMania and whether they go the route of putting it on Sasha or putting it on Bailey or
1: What if however, she goes until SummerSlam with it?
2: Who? Charlotte?
1: <clears throat> yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, at this like, point I'm, you can't complain, right?
2: Like I'm fine with what Charlotte has become because it's, it's been handled masterfully and it's really because of what she's done. Because you, you can give anybody the material. It's what they do with that material. And when Charlotte was a heel before, it was like, so what? Nobody cared. Now that she's taken on this heel role and doesn't need Ric Flair, doesn't need her dad by her side, doesn't need Dana Brooke, she's just... Like, her trash talking is better. Her in-ring talking has been excellent. Like, everything she does is, is really well done. Um... And Sasha, I mean, she doesn't need a reset. I'm not gonna go that far. But I think the problem is, is the lack of depth is that she really doesn't there's nowhere for her to go. Because feuding with Nia Jackson is gonna help Sasha's character. What's she gonna do? Feud with Bailey? That's probably the next step. And that's the only way you turn Sasha heel. But you need a babyface. And what do you do? Bring Asuka to the main roster?
1: Is Asuka a baby face? We don't know what Asuka is.
2: But then, And that's probably the best part about Asuka is we don't know what she is. But you need a badass to deal with Charlotte right now. Because if you're going to turn Sasha and you're going to really bring out her heel character, she's got to feud with Bailey Because that's the one person that she can feud with and everybody would hate Sasha. Right? Like That's the one person you can feud with and be like, well, that makes sense. Because yeah. there's no other women on the roster.
1: No. There's
2: nowhere for her to go.
1: And, I mean, we said the same thing about Joe, but doesn't Asuka scream... I... She screams SmackDown
2: to me. I don't know. I mean, I feel like SmackDown is fine. Like, after watching the SmackDown these past couple weeks, even though I don't necessarily care too much about the title picture right now, they, I feel like they, they have a bunch of women who can jump into a title picture, right? There's not the same four, three people really circling each other. There's, like, Nia Jax is not, I don't count her. But Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey are the only three women on the Raw roster in my mind if you talk about SmackDown, you'd say Mickey James, you say Natalia, you say Alexa Bliss, you say it's like wide open. Naomi, they're open. Anybody can compete for that title. Only three women can fight for the title on Raw. And Nia Jax. Three and a half.
1: <laughs> and Nia Jax. Um. So
2: I, I didn't have a like I said, I didn't have a problem with the way that this match was booked. I felt like it was done the right way. It wasn't a classic match. It didn't need to be. It just needed to give a reason for Bailey to put on the chase. So, and somehow we're going to get to this four-way ladder match at WrestleMania. That's my bold prediction, but whatever.
1: No, that's great. I mean, I'm all here for the ladder match. Um not sure if Nia is going to climb the ladder, but whatever. Um, next match, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. So. No DQ. Let's just get this right. We were both right. Chris Jericho threw some shit down from the cage. It didn't end. But then also Braun Strowman came and wrecked shit.
2: Yeah. Put making this match a no DQ match was a way to keep the strap on Kevin Owens, which I said in the beginning. Yes. Furthermore, putting him in a no DQ match takes the gloves off Kevin Owens and makes him really look like a great talent. He's been held back with with a lot of issues of being like the chicken shit heel, and but this match, like some of the spots, I mean, Owens pretty much carried this match.
1: Incredible spots and. You know what? I'll give Roman Reigns his props. I always said, Roman Reigns is a really good to great gimmick match wrestler. Yeah, we saw it with good. him versus AJ Styles in the No DQ, False Count Anywhere. We've seen it with him in the cell with Bray Wyatt. We've seen him. Him in the big show had a decent match on a stupid street fight. Um, His best matches, in general, have been stipulations.
2: True. I, I, Kevin Owens just looked great in this match. The frog splash on the table. Bamber that was killed crazy. Roman. I yeah. thought he killed. Yeah, because he landed like on his head. Um, my one gripe with this match is I didn't understand the Shark Tank if you weren't going to have cutaways to show Chris Jericho in the Shark Tank. What was the point? Like, he hung suspended above the cage, and you only saw him in the wide shot. That's the only time you saw the Shark Tank above the cage. There was no zoom in on, like, Jericho's expressions. It kind of felt pointless after a while. Like, he threw down the brass knucks, but even that was useless. So it was like, why did this happen? It <laughs> was, there was nothing that happened that made you pursue the angle of Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens feuding with each other. And I feel like they're going to have to get really creative now to find a way for these two to feud with each other. Um,
1: Unless they're not going to feud with each other.
2: But then why that's do, worse. Why do
1: people... Still assume that's going to happen or going to because, happen now. Maybe they drag that out to SummerSlam. Who knows? But Finn dude, Balor is fun. coming back.
2: Yeah, so what? I mean, and he's didn't coming come back, back for his title Yeah, I'm not too sure about that anymore. But hmm. I don't know exactly when he comes back, and I don't know exactly where he's injected into. But my point is, is that this was, the the ending was perfect. Um, I didn't understand Jericho and the Shark Tank, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine with how it all transferred. Kevin Owens looks strong. This was a really good match. Um, and again, when you allow Kevin Owens to be a mean Kevin Owens, he's going to be, work wonders because he is one of the best workers in all of pro wrestling. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to, get to push it like he's supposed to. So this was handled well. And I, I was like, oh, we have a WrestleMania program. And then we'll talk about the Royal Rumble. <laughs> but let's move on. to the, what, you, what were your thoughts on this match?
1: Um. No, I thought it was good. Like I said, I I thought Roman Reigns did really well and he does really well in these gimmick matches. Kevin Owens carried it and the spots were incredible. Um, I really liked the match. So uh, no gripes by me. Strowman entrance was great. Um, Not having him run down the ramp is always great. He just came ominously over the barrier and just wrecked Roman Reigns. Uh, I like those two going into a program, heading into mania, but I'm not even sure about that anymore. So we got to keep talking. Uh, Mm -hmm. Neville versus Rich Swann. Quick, because you're not a fan of Cruiserweights.
2: No, I felt the crowd was so dead for this match. I thought um, it was a good
1: match, though.
2: It was, it was a good match. It, but it wasn't good until um, Swan super-kicked Neville when he was coming off the turnbuckle. Prior to that, I felt like the match was just a match. It felt like a 205 Live match. Um, but again, it just really hurts when you have when nobody cares. They just start no tearing one, through the ropes. You know, it's like... Nobody in the arena cared about this match. And I felt really bad for them because they worked hard.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it's the new bathroom break.
2: It's become the Divas match. And I, and I mean that in the worst way possible because <laughs> this, it shouldn't be a Divas match. And it shouldn't be something you take a bathroom break for. You should watch this match, but people are just not connecting.
1: I hope Cedric um, Alexander gets the next go because him and Neville really put on a show.
2: But see, the problem is, I don't think... This is where you can really see the distinct differences between NXT and WWE audiences. Main roster audiences connect with characters. Neville's your character. Swan hasn't really developed into a character yet, just like TJ Perkins didn't develop into a character. So you need somebody like Austin Aries, who I feel like is a great character as well as a phenomenal wrestler, to deal with Neville. Because now Neville's just kind of... The leash is off, he's just going to kind of run rampant. Because even though... Neville and Alexander is a great match, Cedric's character just hasn't really developed. That You know, put it, like tying him to Alicia Fox, wow, it, just, it felt like some cliché in, in how they handled that. And I think Cedric has great matches, but I think he needs a great character. And you need a great character to feud with Neville right now, and we don't have that.
1: It's fair. Uh, then we have Cena versus Styles.
2: This was a great—this was a fucking great match.
1: <laughs> um, I feel like Cena, all that shit about Kenny Omega— wasn't like, hey, Kenny Omega's coming here. It's like, yo, Kenny, really? Yeah, take this. Like, I see you. Like, it's cool. cool. Let, let's let's see what we can do here. In Which he didn't top it. It still didn't t- top Wrestle Kingdom. But damn, you know, they gave it a run for their money. As good as you can do on the main roster for WWE to top a Japan Wrestle Kingdom match, they did that.
2: It was great. I don't know if it was better than their SummerSlam match. It's up there, though. I need to watch the SummerSlam match again. Um, it was great. The finish, eh, it, it threw more, like, after the Royal Rumble, it just threw more questions at me because taking the strap off of AJ, I was just really confused. Um, but, you know, the finish was great. The match was great. The spots were great. AJ was excellent as always. Uh, he's still the best wrestler in the business. People were arguing with me on Twitter, like, saying Kenny Omega's better than AJ Styles. And I was like, no, no, no way. Not, like, Kenny Omega is a great wrestler, but AJ Styles has been great aj styles has never not been good so it's like
1: i've seen omega have a couple whole hums in that g1
2: yeah like omega you know there's there's like nakamura omega has nights where he dials it in yep aj doesn't have that he doesn't have those nights like either he's carrying somebody or he's like he's giving somebody a great performance now all that being said after seeing what cena has done with aj styles and prior to that kevin owens and the u.s tournament the open challenge where does John Cena rank on the all-time? List? He's the number
1: one, number one all-time WWE. You're and nuts.
2: I'm,
1: I'm okay with that. Um, number one? Yeah, not like performer. Not like you know. If we're doing like skills, like pound for pound, like no Shawn Michaels. You know, I, I still have like the list with him, Benoit, blah blah blah. That's just skill, right?
2: But he's in the upper room for sure.
1: Oh, for the skill now? Like that? I'm, skill I'm talking list?
2: about. I'm talking about total package because it's hard no, to total really...
1: like Mount Rushmore. Hogan, Austin, Rock, Cena, right?
2: I don't even know if Rock gets on that on the Mount Rushmore. And well, then, right. here's why. Because I felt like Rock was victimized by Austin's run. It's not really his fault.
1: Okay. Well, like, I mean, do you want to throw Sean on the Rushmore for shits and giggles? I mean, just that's what a lot of people consider the Rushmore, where you transcended the sport of wrestling. Well,
2: uh, I'm, man... See, this is where it gets murky because it's Hogan for sure.
1: Okay. Then it's Hogan has Austin to be for roster. sure. Austin. For Austin's sure. damn near bigger than Hogan.
2: Right. To the two wrestlers that completely transcend this.
1: Correct. Cena in the, especially in the, Cena's done it longer than either.
2: Right. So Cena ends up on that back end of it and he's he's established himself as that.
1: He's passed them both. Because well, they never in ring is is doing they never did what he is doing right now. And well, Cena it's, for so long never did what he's doing right now. I, well, I told I, someone this other day he's transformed his style.
2: Dude, I agree like I agree with you. I'm I just for for for, for the sake of this argument because it's like how I don't know how you have this discussion because it's either best wrestler or best performer, it's, it's hard to figure
1: out. Yeah, it's two separate lists.
2: Right. So it's like with Cena, I think he's yeah, I think his his work way to surpass Hogan and I think his uh His ability to put other people over surpassed Austin. Austin really really didn't put people over. So he belongs there. Then it's like, is it Brett or is it Sean? That's the real argument.
1: Oh, it's Sean. Sean over Brett.
2: Are you sure about that?
1: I am positive about that. And I like both a lot.
2: So what part of Sean was better than Brett and when? If we're talking about time periods, because you said Hogan's in in a time period. Correct. And then you have Austin in a time period. And then you have Cena in a time period. So the time period before Austin and after Hogan, you're going to put HBK over Bret Hart?
1: Yes. How? And I know it's a shorter window. Um, but 93, after watching all the rumbles, I can get a good sense of like time periods. 93 Sean through 97 Sean is better than Bret. Anything Bret's done. 93... Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels intercontinental matches through the Diesel era, through the Diesel split, through the Shawn by himself, through the D-Generation X, you lump that time period together, the original DX run, all the way dating back to the Intercontinental Shawn, or kicking Jannetty through the window, that's five years better than anything Hart's ever done.
2: You're ridiculous, and we're going to save this argument for next week. There, <laughs> there is nothing that Sean has done during that time period that comes close to what Bret Hart did with Owen Hart and what Bret Hart did with the British Bulldog in, in Europe. Nothing ever will come close. That The second generation of Sean, when Sean came back, that Sean you can argue with. However, it came during a time when Cena was on top of the game. But Sean's second act was better than his first act. And because Shawn had the two classic matches with The Undertaker, Shawn had his great match with, with, uh, he had his run with Jericho, he had his run with Kurt Angle. That Shawn Michaels is better than the Shawn Michaels you're talking about. Bret Hart as champion, as tag team champions with the Hart Foundation, in his feud with Bret Hart, putting Stone Cold Steve Austin into the position to be the top guy, that Bret Hart is better than that version of Shawn Michaels. There's, there's, there's like no debate to me. No, because when I watched, <laughs> when I watched those, when those matches you talk about with Shawn against uh, Razor Ramon, the, the ladder match, innovative, yes, great, yes. His match with Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, innovative, yes, great, yes. But as far as a technical wrestler and a performer and doing everything like you can't, dude, you can't argue the Bret. Shawn's heart. a better
1: performer than Brett.
2: No, 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 he's not a better wrestler than Brett. And that version of Sean was not a better performer than Brett. Second act, Sean was a better performer than the first act, Shawn. Bret Hart, as a pure talent, as a wrestler, as somebody who carried the WWE on his back after Hogan left, and it, it got handed off to the small guys, Bret Hart had the best feuds. And I'm a his, huge
1: Bret Hart fan. Like, you're arguing you about probably my saying, two favorites ever.
2: But you can't be if you're, if you're trying to make this argument.
1: Because it's just Sean is better. And I, Sean, those are possibly my two favorite wrestlers ever. And Shawn is better.
2: So, Sean had, so what feud that Shawn had during his first act, before he got injured and, and went away, was better than Bret Hart versus Owen Hart?
1: So, Bret, Owen, and, and we're saying Shawn Razor wasn't as good.
2: Hell no. I'm talking about heat. I'm talking about matches. There's no way that Shawn and Razor Shit, Ramon had I mean, a better feud than Bret and Owen. No way. Sh-
1: yeah, that's rough. I, I don't know individually, I guess Brett might have number one, and then number two is them against each other. So they wash, right?
2: Yeah. So but then
1: I'm, man, but, I don't yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I, but I would argue stable wise, the he didn't have a true foil, but the the DX run was monumental. Greater than any heart foundation run.
2: Wait. The heart foundation run is what put Stone Cold Steve Austin truly over. If you remember, the Hart Foundation with Brian Pillman, British Bulldog, yeah. Jim Neidhart. Correct. Was the, and, and, you, and it was the only time. It was the only time in history up to that point that when the Hart Foundation went to Canada, there were the super baby faces, but still did heel shit.
1: Heel shit, yeah, because they were heels in the U.S.
2: But they, it, but you can't – like DX was lewd. DX was cutting edge. But it's t- in terms of like a stable that, that was, was stable – because DX wasn't really DX until Sean left, if you remember, because it was all ran by Triple
1: H. Oh, I don't know The Sean years, the Sean years were fucking gold.
2: The Sean years were short, and then Triple H brought in the New Age Outlaws because there was it was just
1: HBK yeah. and China, and then that's well, when it was the, HBK trying to end trips, but yeah.
2: Well, and, and you know, but but when Triple H was running running DX, that's when DX really like. It wasn't better. I'm not gonna say it was better, but they had the longer run because yeah. you know DX feuded but with like the Sean, nation's Domination. Shawn
1: and Trips, those the the antics, the fucking water guns, the the Santa Claus hat, you know, the the pulling their ass out, the windshield wiper, Sergeant Slaughter. It had some spots. Yeah, <laughs> like we're, I think listen, you're under, we're gonna have to you, save this for next week. Save it for incredible. next week. We're we going and home, we gotta see what the people home. do. I, I, we. We both got the network. I'll go back and watch the network on this. And I'm almost positive I'm going to come back and say that Shaw had still had the better run.
2: Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll start with that. All yeah. right. So let's move on to the Rumble match. Uh,
1: I don't know. It... Uh, let's take it from the start. What do you think about Jericho?
2: Um, I thought Jericho should have won this. I felt like his, the, he, everything went up exponentially after Kevin Owens you know, retained the title. Um... I thought Jericho was good. And, you know, he, I think he, he did the heel thing. You know, He was kind of slipping in and out of the match here and there, but he managed to stay in. Then he got unceremoniously dumped by Roman Reigns. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, the beginning of the Royal Rumble was good.
1: Shit, maybe uh, we should have stopped at the end. It started at the end. Yeah, let's start at the end.
2: Roman Reigns.
1: Number 30.
2: Yeah. What the this... fuck? This was the troll this was the troll job. And I and you know what? It's the funny thing is, I get it. I knew exactly <laughs> why they did it. Because
1: I don't. Explain it to me. I don't. I'm still okay. baffled.
2: Here it goes. They knew what they were going, they knew who was going to win the rumble beforehand, which was Randy Orton.
1: Correct. The betting odds shot up on Randy Orton, by the way.
2: Yeah. The dirt sheets knew what they were doing. They was like, all right, cool. Randy Orton's gonna win. Now, how do we play this to the crowd so they don't boot Orton out of the building? You have him eliminate Roman Reigns at number 30. <laughs> it's the, it's, it was the only way to truly get Orton over in this spot. Otherwise, no matter what happened, fan, nobody would have been happy with Orton winning. Now, when Damn, Orton that's so, genius, though. That is true. It's smart booking. It's just not the decision that we wanted. The number 30 spot should have went to we thought was going to be like Joe or Balor or anybody. Roman Reigns, who was just in the title match?
1: Anybody except for Enzo at 27.
2: But it drew... Oh, my God. What a... (laughs) It drew so much heat to see Roman out there. So when Orton eliminated him, the crowd popped. But they didn't pop for Orton. They popped against... They were popped that Reigns didn't win. So they got the desired reaction. So when you start rolling that B-roll footage as we head into Mania... (laughs) Yeah, at least they're not booze. Yeah, they're cheering for Randy Orton. So that's the genius of it all. But... Randy Orton winning this, it just has me, I'm like shrugging my shoulders because I can't figure out what they're doing.
1: I I have no clue. Because who, I mean, are we going to get a fresh AJ versus Orton feud? But no, Cena has the main event.
2: See, this is where it's confusing. So let's talk about the things that came through the rumble. One, Goldberg destroyed Lesnar again.
1: (laughs) Squash match, again.
2: Please squash match. So we're we're clear that it's going to be Goldberg versus Lesnar at WrestleMania.
1: Is it or is it not for the title?
2: That's the question. Because
1: so, they book Goldberg so strong now that if he faces Owens at Fastlane, he has yes to win. Yes,
2: However, there's two ways you can play this. One, you can keep the title on Owens and you can have Lesnar show up to ruin Goldberg's op- title opportunity. For me, I think it's a horrible idea to have two part-timers fight for the title at, at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, because you bury your title.
2: Exactly. So I think if you're going to go that route with Goldberg against Owens, Lesnar has to interfere. Like it's a mandatory he interferes and ruins this for, for, uh, for um, Goldberg. So that's one feud that you have. Second feud that you have that got really confusing was Undertaker being dumped by Roman Reigns and that epic stare down between the two. I'm confused because I'm saying I thought Roman was about to feud with Strowman. So is Roman Reigns and Strowman going to be the fast lane program and then Roman Reigns and Undertaker the WrestleMania program?
1: Do we get triple threat?
2: Do we get a triple they, threat? They
1: wanted Strowman versus Taker last year, right? But Strowman didn't have the buzz or the build.
2: So he does now,
1: right? He does now, but, clearly.
2: But who was Strowman dumped by? Baron Corbin?
1: Baron That's Corbin. Weird.
2: So there was, there was some real questionable decisions in this Royal Rumble. I thought it was good up to a certain point. Dillinger coming in at number 10, finally made the right decision. Um
1: I want to see Taker pull them both under the ring, by the way. The Taker pull people into the ring shit never gets old.
2: So I'm then it just got it was real it was real strange because who was our final four? Orton, Reigns, Jericho.
1: And and
2: Really? You don't remember it, either?
1: No. I think it was the final three.
2: Nope, there was a four because you know uh they had to go with uh Jesus Christ! Why can't I remember? Who was the fourth guy? There I was gotcha. a fourth because they both they both did get dumped out.
1: Um. Yeah, Reigns. Was Goldberg the last guy? Was he? Because Orton was still in.
2: Oh, Bray Bray Wyatt.
1: Eliminated That's by you. Roman Reigns. Wyatt was the, yeah. Because it was Wyatt. Wyatt, Orton together. Yeah. Pairing. True. Okay, good. So,
2: this whole Bray Wyatt, because you had Luke Harper come in and obviously he's feuding with Randy Orton and not necessarily Bray Wyatt in this weird dynamic. So...
1: You know, Randy Orton eliminated one person during this Royal Rumble?
2: Dude, all the, all the bulk of the eliminations... He I did nothing. Stats thing. <laughs> the bulk of the eliminations went to Strowman, Lesnar, Mark Henry eliminated one person, Randy Orton eliminated one person... Undertaker and Reigns. Those are all the people who
1: eliminated everybody. Yep. That's all the eliminations. I'm looking at the list right now. That's it. So. Reigns, Strowman, Corbin.
2: Corbin, yeah. Corbin and Mark Henry eliminated one person. Lesnar, I think, eliminated three. Cesaro,
1: Sheamus had the other two as a tag team. They had three.
2: And Jericho eliminated both of them.
1: Yep. And that was it.
2: So, there was not a lot of people doing a lot of work. No. Um. Luke Harper so, got one. <laughs> yeah, so so we end with Randy Orton winning. Let's just fast forward to the end. So Randy Orton wins. Who does Randy Orton wrestle at WrestleMania? Is it John Cena?
1: Oof. Um, Cena and Orton have to be in the match in some capacity. Because Cena has to main an event. Because um, wh- if Cena drops the belt, what does he do? He can't be just another guy.
2: It's so strange.
1: What do you do with AJ Styles? There's no one for him to feud with.
2: See, it's Okay, so we're, we're going into the elimination chamber at WrestleMania. Yes. I mean, uh, elimination chamber, then we're going into WrestleMania. So a lot of people think... The way I look at it is they're projecting Randy Orton versus John Cena a little too hard. They projected it too hard in a SmackDown that it can't be a straight-up match between them. And on top of that, there's no heat between the two. So... But it does, makes very little sense to me that Bray Wyatt would win the title at the Elimination Chamber. He has he has no real momentum.
1: I mean, he could. I mean, the turn is the momentum. So you got the ace in the hole. Whenever the turn happens, or does Bray Wyatt face Luke Harper?
2: And that, that's what I'm, I'm curious about. Like, I don't know where they're going with this because somewhere, either Bray like. Orton and Bray have to split, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, Sooner or later. So I, I'm, I'm just, I don't I don't know where we're going with this. I'm looking at this uh, WrestleMania, and right now, right now it feels very much like Royal Rumble before WrestleMania 30 when Daniel Bryan was inserted into the title picture. Yeah. Because when Batista and Orton, people were like, the fuck? I don't want to see that shit. This is how I'm feeling right now because… Orton and Cena, they just don't have any heat. And these two have never wrestled one-on-one at WrestleMania. And it should have happened like 10 years ago. Yeah. But for it to happen right, right now with, with Orton involved with Wyatt and with Cena just coming off of this great feud with AJ Styles, I'm, I'm just really confused. Then
1: Styles has to win at Elimination Chamber. And Cena has to say he's taking his rematch clause at Mania. And then Orton comes out and says, no, it's my title shot at Mania. And they make it a triple threat. And AJ and that- goes in with the belt. And then and Bray then, just has to fight Luke Harper.
2: And then even that feels contrived because it's like, well, why take this title off of AJ in the first place? That's I just this, seen
1: an excuse to get into the main event.
2: Right, but that's where this middle pay-per-view, this pay-per-view that happens right before WrestleMania always becomes a problem.
1: No, there's, um, there is none right before WrestleMania.
2: Yeah, there is. No, Elimination there's, Chamber.
1: There's one in two weeks. That's in two weeks. It's Valentine's right, but Day.
2: That's, but that's what I'm saying. There's Elimination Chamber, and then Raw has Fastlane.
1: And yeah, then there's a month-and-a-half build for SmackDown, though. So it's but, not but right I, before
2: me. But my point is is that when you usually, like after Royal Rumble, if you go straight to WrestleMania, you're building, you you already know which main event is. And usually that's what happens. You're like, all right, cool. We know what our main event is. Usually when you have the Elimination Chamber, you cut down on the time that you get to promote your main event for WrestleMania. Fortunately, this year for Elimination Chamber, it's so far ahead that you get a good six weeks before WrestleMania. Raw is a little bit different. And I don't know how they're going to play this. But Right now, to me, Elimination Chamber just kind of feels in the way because with Orton winning, if, if AJ Styles would have retained and you would have went right into an AJ Styles-Orton program, I would have felt good about it. But now I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And it's like
1: – if <laughs> No if, if one AJ, does. No one if, does.
2: If the, the dirt sheets are true and AJ Styles ends up feuding with Shane McMahon, I will be – that's a waste of the best talent on your roster. Absolute waste.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. So um, we're not going to be happy, right? That's pretty I don't much what it's coming down to.
2: It feels like there there are options, right? There's options for this to take off. There's there's ways that this can still work. I just I just don't know what they're doing. Like because we still have to find a way to get Kevin Owens and Jericho to feud. Because if not, who is Owens going to feud with? Right. Now, if Rollins ends up hurt, that's one of your biggest things that that you've been working on and massaging the audience to get ready for for damn near a year. Since before Rollins got hurt the first time, everybody knew that that feud was going to happen. It's like, so are we going to have a WrestleMania where it feels like there's a bunch of feuds thrown together? Because if you remember, last year, Triple H won the Royal Rumble and you knew it was going to be him and Roman Reigns, right? This year, you really don't know. And I don't know if that's beneficial to booking or to the fans. That you kind of, that you really just don't have a clue what's going on. Because Randy Orton in the title picture just doesn't seem right. That's, that's my thing. It just don't seem right. Right it, now. It,
1: it doesn't. Like, I understand Vince wants to sell, right? You have to sell to the mainstream. But does that sell? No. Like, <laughs> like I mean, Orton's really had no buzz. Does that sell? Like, are the mainstream fans going to be like, oh, I want to see Randy Orton? Like, they don't care about Orton. And you're already already capturing that market with Goldberg versus Lesnar. And they don't need a belt to capture that market, to be honest. So putting a belt on them is very UFC-ish. Like, yo, our main event needs a title. Like, no. I don't understand how it sells.
2: Yeah, it's, oh, man, I don't know, man. I really don't know what's going on so um we need to put a button on all this uh because <laughs> this, this has been a really long show I, the Royal rumble was good it just left a bunch of holes that i'm i'm either
1: but that's either what they've been doing right we had those leading up to the rumble we have them exiting the rumble at least we don't know what the hell's going on
2: right and you know it'll keep us intrigued to see what happens but i don't know now last thing you know we not too much to talk off of, off of ron smackdown except for the fact that samoa joe has arrived With Samoa Joe's arrival, I marked out because that's obviously what I do when I see Samoa Joe. (laughs) How does he factor into the Mania picture now?
1: Well, now if you know Rollins' injury takes him out of that, um, someone else has to, or Triple H has to sick him on someone else, and I don't know who. Um, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, right? Because Sami Zayn's been disrespecting uh, Stephanie a lot. Um, going behind her back, doing random little stuff. It's very possible that Sami Zayn takes the belt off of Jericho. He beat him clean on Raw. It's kind of like that precursor. You beat the champion without the title. You eventually take it um, and then defend it against Samoa Joe. Hmm. Because you can only have so many triple threats. You can only have so many fatal four ways, right? You can only have one ladder match. Like, How do you fit all this talent on two rosters? Because there is a ton of talent if you combine them. How do you fit it all into a Wrestlemania card?
2: Yeah, it's...
1: You have the, the, know, the giant battle royal to like sneak some people in, but that's a pretty shitty way. You can't even defend all your titles at this point. It, if you include the cruiserweight title. There's not enough matches to defend every belt. Let dude, alone have a circus show like Lesnar, Goldberg.
2: If you thought the Dallas Wrestlemania was long, right now, we're about to have like... like Wrestlemania is about to be like 27 hours long so it's like pack a sleeping bag because you'll take a nap wake up and they'll still be wrestling
1: <laughs> listen at least orlando beautiful weather you get out there early something i i, I don't know bless the people who are going are you not covering <laughs> it this year
2: as of right now no as of right now i don't think i'm gonna go um we'll see though you know a lot of it hinges on you know if conor mcgregor is going to be involved but at right now i'm like well, what's the point <laughs> like there's so much else going on why what are you gonna do with wrestlemania talk all right
1: <laughs> true i i don't know man i might go still i might not depends how this shakes out because i don't really want to waste my money for like whacking it like last year was whack
2: yeah it was except for everything else that we went to yeah but.
1: evolve was great roh was great so it's like do we go again if we go again i guess we can make it worth our while though um we got to do a live show from out there. We got to do like random stuff and really enjoy the week. But the mania itself, it could go really bad. And then NXT doesn't seem nearly as good as NXT was last year.
2: Yeah. So right now, you're asking me. Right now, my answer is no. I'm not going to WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, you um, change your mind every two seconds, though. I, I do. But what,
2: I've been I'll talk to you mania a my...
1: week. You'll be like, oh, I'm on a plane.
2: It's possible. I mean, it's possible, you know. If if, some, if they pay for me to go, then I'm
1: going. That budget's right. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I'm not pushing. I'm not pushing for anybody to pay for me to go to WrestleMania right now. I'll put it like that. Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Well, that's our show for this week. We got a discussion already set up for next week. Let us know who you think deserves that final spot on the Rushmore, Sean or Bret Hart. Um, we'll continue a conversation about that next week. You know where to find us on all social media. At the corner, LSN on all platforms. I'm at Kel Dansby on everything. Andreas Hale is his name on every platform. He's old, man. He's crotchy. I'm not even asking his damn opinion on this. I will give it to you guys. Um, That was a great show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Until next week, though, we're out.
2: Peace.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?